0: Welcome to Close Lines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray.
1: North-South connection. We are back with another installment of Close Lines and Headlines 2.0, Episode 11. Rossi, how was Vegas, my man?
0: It was good, man. Uh, went there. Was gonna go to a music festival on Saturday, um, which was like 11 a.m. to midnight. And an hour before the show, it get, I was at breakfast, and the show got canceled because of high winds. So then it was like a, a pissing contest with StubHub and eBay to try to find two tickets for Sunday. But we we scored them. We went. And we had a good time. Um, weather wasn't great. It was uh, not what it was. Actually, warmer in Massachusetts when we got back on Tuesday, but. All in all, it was a good trip. Got, got away from the kids for a little bit, which, you know, any parents need every once in a while, so it was a good time. Man, fuck them kids. Rocco, what's up, dude?
2: Not much, man. Same uh, thing. Uh, not the same thing at all, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, uh, Halloween has a lot of birthdays in my uh, in-laws' family, so i just been doing a lot of... I was, Mike was away from the family. I had to deal with the family of in-laws, and uh, that just means getting drunk a lot and not paying attention to them.
1: Did you dress up at anything for Halloween?
2: I am not a five-year-old boy, so I did not dress up. <laughs> Sorry, that's a, that's a really jerky thing to say. But I am lazy, and I did not dress up.
1: I dressed up as a losing football coach because we had a Halloween party after my game. So I was going to be a winning football coach or a loser football coach, and I happened to be a losing football coach that weekend. So that's the extent of my costume going. But I have two more games left, and now my season's over, and we're at the point where it's, thank fucking God. Fuck them kids, right, Rossi? We got a special guest today, a first timer from the No So Network from the Sports Gambling Podcast, Matt Cummings. What's going on, man? What's
3: going on, guys? I'm excited to talk a little crown jewel.
1: Yeah, you big Saudi prince guy?
3: Huge, huge. These are the huge. only, I'm only coming on for Saudi shows.
1: Well, that was Rossi's gimmick for a little while. <laughs> but uh, look, we're, we are doing a video podcast today, and Matt does have his turban on in his sweet in his Saudi recliner, and he's ready to rock and roll.
3: Got it all. I'm on Saudi time. Let's do this thing.
1: Nice. All he's, right, well, he's,
3: he's,
2: ready, he's ready to dismember anyone who disagrees with his politics. <laughs> to like the Saudi
1: excellent. Excellent. Well, we're, we're, we'll be good to go here. You know, Matt, thanks for joining us. And we'll probably get into what you get into later on in the podcast. Let's With the news, uh, earlier on in this podcast, we were just hampered with Sasha Banks and Vince McMahon news. So let's just kind of put that little... Well, on that chapter, I guess it came out today that Vince McMahon is finally done with the WWE, believe it or not, even though I everyone assumed he was. The WWE has confirmed that the inv- investigation into alleged misconduct by Vince McMahon is now complete, and the special committee has been disbanded. The investigation cost the WWE $19.4 million. Um, that's just a little drop in the bucket right there for the WWE, but nonetheless, $20 million is nothing to shake at, especially used in a investigation to your head honcho from let's just put it <laughs> misconduct a lot of fuck money there buddy um rossi have you spent that much money at the strip club no never never i don't even know what strip club is i'm just kidding no strip club God. money but how about drugs Rocco? have you spent that much
2: money on drugs Ooh, uh, hmm, uh maybe it was a front-loaded uh, i dropped the money early but i've been uh, i've been saving my money in my later years for like Once I get really old, then I just go full heroin addict towards the end of my life. Wow, that's like why the fuck not? What else do I got to do?
1: Hashtag goals, right? Jeez. All right, how about betting? Who cares? Yeah, I got you. I got you, buddy. I got you. Hey, everyone has their vice. Whatever, Rocco. But uh, how about have you spent that much money on betting, Matt?
3: I feel like I've lost close to twenty million dollars one weekend on college football or something. Might be like two hundred bucks, but it feels like twenty million. So probably.
1: Yeah, I've been there. I've definitely, definitely been there. But I think, you know, not much more to say about about Vince. We've kind of said our speak, but Matt, do you have anything to say about the old man? You know, do you want to put a little eulogy here, or...
3: I don't know. Uh, I kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, but, uh, you know, you can't just say good riddance, right? Um, but I feel like he's kind of left all of a bad taste in our mouth with all this controversy and how the, how the WWE has been perceived on television for the past couple of years, so... I guess uh, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Enjoy the rest of your
0: retirement. Yeah, I think he's made I think he's made left a lot of bad taste in a lot of people's mouths.
1: I was going to go there, but I, I left that there. That was a good. a <laughs> <laughs> I let that one sit, but it was there. <laughs> and I'm glad you hit it home. But um, yeah, it's it's a touchy subject, obviously. And um, it's a sad one at the end of the day. It is what it is and at the end of the day it's kind of better for the immediate future of WWE TV, as we've seen in the last 100 days or or more. But um that is what it is. I figure we give Vince one more one more do and just Jesus, 20 million dollars is nothing to really shake a stick at. But anyways,
2: you don't we had him we talked about him on our first show. This might be the last time we talk about him until he dies. So, there you go. Under over 5
1: <laughs>
3: years before they bring him in for like a Hall of Fame induction oh. or something. I thought you were going for like a death Bowl thing there. Five years? No, 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 no. We can do that too, but I think he's going to live forever. But I'm thinking maybe like how long before they bring him back for like a Hall of Fame thing? I
1: don't. I don't. Uh, oof. Five well,
2: years, probably. Like, closer to five than one, really.
1: Honestly.
2: <laughs> well, in popular culture, how long before you come back after a sex crime? Chris Brown is still putting out albums, and you know he, you know, has a, you know, what else is there? You, you pretty much get away with it as soon as something else happens. So. <laughs>
1: But I know it's 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 weird. I just really want to know what he does on his day-to-day life <laughs> now, really. That's super fascinating to me. Do you think he's like watching TV shows or I don't know? That's just a, that's something for another day, I guess.
2: Yeah, the idea of him binge watching The Wire does not seem
3: like a possibility. <laughs> Do you ever see that picture of him? He had like the weirdest ensemble with him. It was like Pat McAfee and John Cena and like this like like young woman. And they were like going to a birthday dinner or something. It was just a real like motley crew.
1: Yeah, this is post-investigation um, <laughs> and all.
3: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was like his birthday dinner, wasn't it? Something like well, crazy yeah, I think Brock thing. was there
1: too, right? What a crew. Yeah,
3: it, it was a real motley crew. It was weird.
1: I think. But uh, but anyways, someone else we also talked about early on in the podcast is uh, kind of low-key in the news again. That was Sasa Bank. She was uh, reported backstage at a WWE live event this past weekend in New Mexico City, and then she was spotted with Bailey afterwards at dinner. Now, the rumblings was that she was training in New Mexico like she was training in Japan back in 2019 when she took her last leave of absence. So it could be kind of a red herring that she could be coming back. But, that you know, we kind of mentioned that here and there for the last, what, since May, since she left. So she's more likely back now with the new regime than the past regime, you would assume. But... I don't know. I figure War Games might be a, a low-key way of getting her back sooner or later, and uh, she kind of—the uh, aura of a War Games match and the aura of the, being the first one, you know, she's the first Iron Woman, she's the first Hell in the Cell, she's the first Elimination Chamber, she's the first entrant into the Rumble, I believe, if not Becky, so— you Know there's she's there's definitely new firsts, what is kind of her lane, and she kind of may want to tip her toes back in. And they, whenever they agreed for her to come back, that that may have been the reason for her coming back, like redebuting or whatever. I don't know. What do you think? Is Matt, what do you think? Is Sasha coming back anytime soon, or is that kind of just like a pipe dream for all us, mocks?
3: I think it's inevitable, right? I mean, like you said, with the way the WWE's been going, it seems like they're trying to rebuild. A lot of bridges that may have been burnt. So I think I do think it's inevitable that we'll see Sasha back. Um, it almost seems like too they're trying to pump up Survivor Series as this big show. Again, it feels like over the past few years it's kind of fallen off the cliff. Um, so I would say in Boston, you know, Sasha's yep. bank's hometown, like you said, she's got all those firsts. So I definitely could see that as a possibility.
1: Yeah, Harako, I was just gonna say, you know, you're not the only one from Boston here, but Boston being the hometown,
2: is that kind of a kick in the dick too to get it there? Well, I'm not from Boston at all, but oh, I'm the only one. Oh, I, I gotcha. Yeah, because it's like the, it's sold out. There's no pay-per-view buys anymore, so it doesn't matter about that stuff. You don't need to advertise a big name, so the big name comes out in the pay-per-view. The thing now, which uh, you know they did that very well with Bray. I don't know if they're gonna do cryptic things. I don't. That doesn't really fit her lane. But uh, to me, her big thing would be the Rumble. To me, I think that would be the best way. But when you have a Charlotte and a Becky both on the shelf, like you got a lot of super big stars to to appear at the Rumble. So her showing up early. And uh, at her inner hometown might work uh, a little better than being a rumble surprise. But I mean, shit, those three, those three in one rumble, like that's going to be considered one of the greatest rumbles of all time if all three of them came back. But yeah, um, her in her hometown, too, is really attractive as well. So it's about time she needs to be there. She's one of the best. And uh, yeah, I want her back soon, but I want her back in the right environment, too.
1: Anything on your girl here, Rossi?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Boston, right? I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can go with it. Like, you know, we're talking war games, but um, another thing that they could do, um, I mean, she would kind of have to win this, so I don't see it. But Rhonda's been doing these open challenges. Maybe she does one in Boston, and then it's kind of one of those wink-wink things, and everybody kind of thinks it's Sasha, and they deliver it. Um, That would be cool. But again, she'd have to win. So I don't really think that's going to happen. But maybe, maybe, you know, they could always rework how they're doing everything on the build to mania based off how everything went from there. Um, But when you think about WWE getting women back, she's not the only high name one, right? You know, you got Becky, that should be pretty close. You got Charlotte, that's pretty close. Um, And I mean, Naomi in herself is a big name So the, this could be a big influx of names popping into WWE again um In that women's division And, you know, with the post-Survivor Series going straight to the Rumble It really is almost that Survivor Series starts to build to mania now So um if you start seeing some of that in- infiltration back into the company around Survivor Series I think it's perfect time
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea and i wouldn't mind a surprise just you know just icing on the cake of that historical pay-per-view but anyways all right one more big news item no it's not it's not a big news item let's put it that way but uh, there's a rumor of course rumors are rumors but a rumor of know CM Punk stuff coming to a close at the AEW. The rumor of Triple H being open to it. The rumor of the Last Regime said no dice back in 2019 when he was working for Fox. And Vince isn't into headaches. He's he's good. He's set. I'm straight. But Triple H, who's into, you know, making buzzes and kind of really just being that dude that just makes the internet happy in a way. Low key. Um, fuck. CM Punk WWE yay or nay? Rocco, start with you, buddy.
2: For him to come back as the guy, like if he, because he's not coming back full time, maybe, well, maybe he was. I don't know, but like for him to come back now, and he would be pushed right to the top, and it's like, isn't that literally the thing he was always complaining about? It was like part time dudes and legacy dudes. So it'd be kind of funny. I don't know. That dude seems like a trip, man. Like <laughs> so, it seems like more of a headache than uh, something that would really be a big thing. Although, like the idea of a him reigns match is probably a big match that never happened that would be a big thing for them to have so yeah i mean what the fuck why not like what's the worst he gonna do what's the worst he could do what what could he do worse than what happened this past year at the end of the year of his <laughs> run, aw run so i don't know why the fuck not throw some money at him and uh, let him come in and uh maybe get a little d- redemption story
1: yeah so more yay than nay Ro- Rocco. all right what about you rossi what do you think about the punkster
0: So I have a feeling that he's going to come back because I feel like that's the natural move. And I think it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of weird in regards to maybe the AEW door for people coming to WWE if you bring Punk in because it seems like a lot of people in AEW fucking hate him. Um, And that's kind of where it becomes interesting because there's a lot of AEW contracts that are going to be up in the next couple of years. I mean, we don't know what's going on with MJF, but I don't think him and Punk had any sort of bad terms. They were about to do another program together. Um, And then, you know, think about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Like, obviously, nobody ever thought Cody was going to leave, but those contracts are up at some point. They've got to at least try to get a money offer out of WWE to try to get more out of Khan, right? Especially with the position that they were supposed to have relative to what they do have, right? Uh, So... If you want to ever entertain the thought of bringing the Young Bucks and Kenny in, um, can you bring um, a CM Punk in first? Like, that seems kind of weird. Um, And it's just, it's an interesting topic as to if they're ever going to really go that route with chasing those guys. You bring a Punk guy in, it might eliminate that opportunity. So, business is business. You never want to say never. Um, But I bet Punk will want to come back It's just a matter of if Triple H does.
1: Yeah, I'll get my thoughts at the end. Uh, what about you, Matt? Yay or nay and Punk? WWE? <laughs> Hypothetical,
3: you know. I'm going to go hard, no. I really, I just I just can't see a world where it happens. I think it's, you know, I think that's the, it's the unfortunate off to the sunset that CM Punk's going to get. We're going to remember him as the guy, the, the disgruntled old man in the media scrum. I just, I think the vibes are just too high in WWE right now. I think there's a, a plethora of talent out there that they can get. I don't think they're in a position where they need a CM punk. So, I'm going to go no. I just I don't think you want to bring that kind of possibility of chaos or attitude into a locker
2: room that seems like it's heading back in a good direction. Yeah, for the 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 thing with that's anachronistic for punk is that like for a dude whose like whole thing is like I was abandoned and I'm I was poor and I fought for everything. It's like he seems to have the most entitled attitude of any guy that I've ever heard in a shoot interview or as a wrestler and it's like I do get like I kind of get his issue with what I mean, I I wasn't in the room. I don't know all this stuff, but like it does seem like he's working with a bunch of nerds, like the the young bucks are fucking nerds. Kenny Omega is a nerd, not saying they're not talented, but like this is a guy with probably a little more life experience. But also, like, I think that gives him like a sanctimonious way that he acts towards people. And I mean, the biggest thing in the world is the most egregious thing he did was like eat and talk with his fucking mouthful, which is the most disgusting thing you could do on a microphone. So, just for that aspect of it, I was disgusted by him and don't ever want to see him again because that's fucking disgusting. You should never do that to another human being. But that's my big thing is that, like, I feel like the WWE is the best place for him because it did have like a daddy figure when Vince was around and stuff like that. And I don't see him like looking at like a trips as like a daddy figure that would kind of keep him in line a little bit, you know, because yeah, it just doesn't seem that way. And obviously, working for, you know, AEW was just more of like a, a chill session for him. So, yeah. It just doesn't seem. I, I agree with you, but like I, I don't see it happening at all. And I, I don't even know if I fucking care. Like I'm done. Like yeah, I, I'm just kind of done
3: with the whole idea of it. That's the other thing I was going to add too. Like, are we all? Is anyone really chomping at the bit to see CM Punk anymore? You know, we kind of all got that that fix when he came back to AEW, and it was still really one of the coolest returns of all time. And I think we all kind of got our CM Punk fix. Now it's kind of like, all right, dude, we've had enough of you.
2: Yeah, agree.
1: Hey, I'm here for it, man. Every day, any day with Punk. He's, you know, he's a top five guy for me, so I'm a little biased. But I understand. I kind of agree with Rocco's sentiment of like, yeah, he's working with nerds. He he kind of is a nerd in his own way, but in his own lane, in his own egotistical, egotistical way, he's a nerd. But I don't know. Kenny and the Bucks just seem exhausting to me, especially the needling and the the snarkiness and like the petty comments and the petty fucking bullshit with all the side comments and the whole world that they live in and the undeserved EVT titles, but they had to get it to use their brand name and to get them or whatever, so I understand why they get them, but they just did not breathe leadership. And Punk, who's been around, is definitely not a leader himself, but may have thought himself to be one. He doesn't really have leader behavior, obviously, but he just definitely didn't respect that opinion, especially if you dating back to when All Elite started, and they were like, you fucking texted me? You didn't call me and ask me if I wanted the job? You texted me? So I kind of understand where Punk's coming from with the, you know, not really respecting authority with those three guys. But, yeah, Punk burns bridges, I get it, but Punk's at best when he has an edge. And I felt back when 2019, when he wanted to come back, that the WWE would have been the best place for him initially just because it's the there was a built-in edge and just how how like happy punk and you know glad to be back and want to prove myself to work with the young guys punk like the first three four months was just super blah and he was just getting over on being missed he still got it man like that mjf feud was fantastic some of the other promos even that go-home promo with him and what's his name a steel All going in on Moxley and the Chicago and that go home promo was just excellent or whatever, so he still got it. And my biggest concern is injuries. So Rossi mentioned it would be a part time role, of course. And then the sentiment of him coming in and being a part timer, taking the the new guys's thing, and how much of that was a gripe and like kind of quote unquote staged back in the day to create buzz and to create. Angst and create his character in a way too, so that's that too. So I don't know how. Of course, it was real to an extent, but I don't know how much it was leaned on, on TV to give him that ad, edge and attitude. So I don't know. I'm here for it. I wouldn't be overly disappointed if it didn't happen. I wouldn't be overly joyed if it did happen. And I hope it's a surprise. And I hope that they have legit plans for it to happen. In you know, all get along, see along, but he ain't going to pull that shit with the WWE because there's actual real structure within management now. And like Matt mentioned earlier, the locker room is definitely on the uptick. And back to Rossi's point about an AEW hating him. And there's reports too, that a lot of young guys in AEW loved punk. And there's also reports that a lot of guys in the AEW can't really stand the bucks. So A.W. just really has a leadership problem, and the WWE doesn't have a leadership problem. It's, you know, it's an ironclad slate, really. So, I don't know, I think that he could thrive if he bought in, and, like, there was a ton of incentives in his contract to kind of lay his conduct out where he would just thrive and not be an issue. So, that would definitely need to be a thing. And Triple H is a smart guy. He's not going to fucking fuck, have CM Punk fuck up what he's got going on. So, I don't know, that's the punk of it all. Is it... Really, it's really just a rumor. Is it ironclad rumor? No. Could it just be buzz from Punk side, or even WWE side to give AEW a kick in the balls, negotiation-wise for a buyout? I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. But then again, there's a pattern here with Triple H bringing back former guys that cater to the to the fan base. And if you bring back CM Punk, it's gonna be like right Wyatt. You're gonna make money regardless. So I don't. I'm here for it. And uh do I expect it? No. But I'd be here for it for sure.
2: When you mentioned like the new new guys, like the young guys like them, right? Like they seem to and he had the problem with the, the buck version. It's kind of like, like I, in, in the band world, like when you, I have a band like of my stature plays a new like a club and we play with like a legendary band, like a death metal band will open up. Right. Those dudes are the best, coolest dudes. Right. And the guys who are the new hot shit are the new hot band. That's the new like popular band in that genre. Those guys always have an attitude because they're feeling their own shit. You know, they haven't been around. It's always the older dudes who are like very accepting of the brand new bands that are coming up. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of the same hierarchy where punk's been around so long, like the new guys who are hungry are the thing. But the Bucks have created their own microcosm of surrounding themselves with all their friends and all their stuff that they've they were the nerds who got popular and made their own thing so that they're on top of the hierarchy and they're doing the same shit. Like it's like nerds on the internet bullying people. Like it's like they were picked on probably, and and the outcasts, and they made the thing that they're the big shit now. So now they're just repeating the same shit that happened to them, and that's because that's just how it happens. So I could see a guy like Punk going and wanting to hang out with the new dudes who don't deal with that bullshit. They're just trying to get ahead, you know, like a Darby Allen kind of guy or some of the younger guys. So that you know, it all kind of stacks up in that way, you know, and that. I mean, it's just high school shit, right? And it seems like a lot of the day. Hey, really, happens, that's what it is. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot of that going on. And then, I mean, it, there, that goes on in every company, every sport, every wrestling r- locker room. But it, that just seem to be the way it's happening. So, yeah, sorry, I, I just you just made me think of that.
1: No, okay. All right, some quick hitter news here. Uh, Emma returns back down to uh, the open, answering the open challenge to Ronda Rousey. Well, I thought it was a pretty decent little match, A little good showing for Emma, little crickety on her returns, but. I think Emma's a good return. I think she'd be an excellent tag wrestler with fill in the blank. And uh, she just adds depth to that roster. And she does have a history of kind of being that first new era diva before Charlotte, Page and all them. So I don't know. I think it's a good rehire. And my boy, Matt Cat Moss, got his lady with her. So uh, that's a kudos too. Matt. Just to let you know, we have a quota here. We have to talk about Matt Cat Moss for a segment. So I thought that would be the segment to kind of slip that in. So that's that.
3: Uh, I had a couple things planned about Madcap Moss. I wanted to bring up. So <laughs> beam to it. No,
1: no problem. Whenever you want, you know, you've got Madcap's top five matches, top five suspender colors. Um, whatever you got, we'll hit it later. Don't let me forget.
3: Awesome, thank you.
1: What do you think of that hair, though? That hair is nice. Never out of place when he's running the ropes. Just stellar guy. Stellar guy. Great wrestler. Where were we, guys? All right, and then the the other report of Chelsea Green possibly returning to. Um, she recording a closing impact segment, I believe is the verb that they used. And, uh, she seems to be intimate returning to Rocco. Do you think these are good returns and where are you at with these two ladies?
2: I like it both. Like we were talking about last time, uh, the division, the women's division needs to be a more complete division. It needs, uh, you know, it needs jobber to the stars. It needs like, it needs everything. The men's division have to be not just main event people fighting and, tag like a random like it just it needs more people to make it an actual thing like i'm not saying it's going to ever be 50 percent women 50 percent men i wouldn't have a problem with that at all but if they they need an actual where's the r-truth where is the uh chad gable where are those kind of people in the women's division it's been listen like we just said it's been 100 days since trips took over so i hopefully they're getting that way and taking like a nikki cross off tv for a while and then she debuts what we'll talk about that later probably but stuff like that helps to do that so adding two new people Two new people who are both like salient wrestlers—they're fine. Like they are both good. They've had good matches. Like you—you've you, always—they've always been enjoyable to me. That's nothing but good. I think Emma got hosed hard on her first run in the WWE. Uh, They—the character had like obviously Vince had no idea what the fuck her character was supposed to be. They threw her out there and just went. Oh, I thought she was supposed to be super popular. It's like no one people were not watching NXT at all as much when she came up. So. I feel like she got hosed, and I feel like it's a she deserves it. It's a totally different character now, but she's a very good wrestler. She knows what she's doing. She's a TV wrestler. Chelsea Green, Green's the same way. Who never had a chance, even worse for a shot. So yeah, I like them. I, I like them both. Um, uh, I think it's funny with Emma her debut now because like she was Oscar's first match too, which also wasn't received greatly since Oscar didn't like kill her in five seconds when Oscar debuted on the main roster. So yeah, but like, what are you gonna do? It's a person that people aren't familiar with. That was. Eight years ago, <laughs> no, sorry, six years ago, you know, like uh, she and she wasn't on that long. So it's not surprising that her debut was met with a little bit of crickets from the crowd, too. So I'm not surprised, but it was a fine match and she's going to have good matches. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it.
1: Yeah, I like both girls. I'm uh, I'm keen on Chelsea's Green's prospect. I think she has a lot of charisma. i um, not really how sure how she fits in as a wrestler, but as a personality, she should thrive wherever she, they throw her
2: like you would I was saying, it's a perfect person to be a person in the mid card or hopefully you know, hopefully she can be a main card guy, but like just having more bodies to do more things and fill all the roles that wrestling shows have. like that's perfect. And she could talk like a motherfucker. so even if she's just yes. a crea- yeah, even if she's just like the talker of a, a person who's a good wrestler, that's fine with me too. They'd be a good team together, actually. Yeah, there you go. She actually, Green has a lot of range.
1: You know, sad, happy, mad, angry, whatever. You know, she's she has it charisma-wise, in my opinion.
3: Just don't bring her husband and I'll be fine.
1: Oh, I was, oh, oh, oh he's madcap mad, mad moss territory for me, low-key in away. a way there, buddy. Be. All right. Um, Rossi. Five NXT <laughs> names were released, including Brody Hayward. Uh, what's going on here? A little surprise fall cleaning, in a way.
0: So, it just seems like it's their report card fires that they said they were going to be doing. Um, Sloane Jacobs, Bodie Hayward, Erica Yan, uh, Damaris Griffin, and Ru Fang. Um, couldn't tell you who three of them are. Um, and I only know Sloane Jacobs because of her New England pedigree as Notorious Mimi. Um, she's 19. Like, she probably should go work the Indies and then see if she can improve and come back. I've never thought that she was, like, straight-up terrible, but just, just wasn't ready for the WWE time. I mean, that's a lot lot to put on your plate. And she didn't have a load of experience, so um, she needs to just get back out there and, you know, work the indie circuit, try to build up her name for herself, and then she'll find work. I mean, she's a good-looking girl. She'll be fine. Um, and... Bodie Hayward apparently was a little bit of a dick, um, not the easiest to work with, and that kind of led to him being axed. Again, super young dude. Um, He can definitely come back at some point, but knowing how this works, he'll probably be on Dark next week. Um, I
1: was just going to say that. (laughs) And then the
0: other three, I literally know nothing about. So it just seems like it was the, the, you know maybe 90-day check on them, see if they've improved based off what they told them to improve on, and when they didn't, you know, see you later. Um, They have so many people, and they're still bringing people in by the week um, for the main roster. Um, Some That means some main roster guys will end up back in NXT per usual, you know, i.e. Jack and who the fuck knows who the script's character is, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, But overall, um, I think it was time to clean some names out, and I don't think they got rid of anybody that they'll miss. Bodie was cool, but, I mean, if he was a dick, he's a dick, you know? This is what it is.
1: Yeah, he had, he had a really good match with Charlie Dempsey, Regal's son, on that NXT Level Up show about a month or so ago. So I think I gave that three and a quarter. So that's pretty good for an NXT Level Up show. But uh, then again, it was Regal's kid who was pretty, pretty superior already. But, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, it would be interesting to look back and see if any of those five names make it. Like And like you said, you stole my thunder with Brody Hayward being on an, an AEW Dark in the very near future, you would seem. Um, the last quick news hitter we got here is, Matt, is Saudi Arabia in jeopardy here with Crown Jewel coming in Saturday morning here? Are we in trouble? Are we going to have to change, have a spirited location somewhere? Or are they going to have to do it in some PC across the ocean or something? What's going on?
3: high school gym it's gonna have to go to a high school gym but uh no I think I think everything will go as planned I think it's just so interesting because I don't want to speculate on what other people think but I can't imagine that's like a relaxing trip to go on It just seems like a long stressful in
1: general yeah
3: (laughs) Yeah. so just to have this added stress to in the back of your head on top of that to think about that is kind of kind of interesting it just it feels like this show does i'm sure it does so much good money wise but i feel like it always just does more harm than good in terms of like the wrestlers i'm sure they get a great payday but then you had that time where they got left on a plane or something or the plane wouldn't let them take off and now you have going here where you know there's potential international conflict right where you're gonna do a wrestling show it just it seems like it's so stressful
1: (laughs) Yeah, but at the end of the day, you probably get an extra zero than you're used to for a freaking stupid wrestling match. So yeah. it's worth the stress, but international waters with international intelligence telling you, hey, this might not be unsafe when it's normally not unsafe, anyways. So, but well, here's the thing high officials are going to tell them it's going to be really okay. And it was just kind of like a red herring, hopefully. And there's really, if, there's, if they are really going. With no harm no follow, there, I'm sure there's nothing really to worry about. In you know, much more intelligent people than us are telling them, you know, otherwise, you know. So I think they'll be all right. And don't worry, Saturday or Saturday afternoon at noon, time, noon Eastern time, you'll be able to sit down and watch your favorite WWE superstars just on your Saudi couch. So we'll see how that goes. All right, speaking of the pay-per-view here, let's hit the preview with the WWE TV report. This week, let's hit the Crown Jewel preview. All right, the main event, we'll start with that. Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul for the WWE Universal heavyweight championship rumor is jake paul is gonna flank his brother to the ring kind of outweigh the help level the waters with the bloodline in the romans corner so could that be a thing more likely than not triple h probably wouldn't really float that out there if it really wasn't going to happen it kind of adds a little intriguing but really logan paul has grown to me in a positive way but if you look at jake paul his face is super fucking punchable um, uh, he just screams douchebag with all the tattoos. He looks like extra skinny because of all the boxing weight he probably cut or whatever the hell he's on. I'm not gonna pretend like I know there. But um I think it's the poof, honestly. Like the ex- like the skin type fade with like the extra poof. My kid got that once and I said, dude, what are we doing here with that? Like cut that shit out. But um, again, I'm not a hair expert. Maybe we'll ask Rocco. He's the one with the with the beautiful locks. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Logan Paul. Roman Reigns, the build has been eh, It's been overshadowed by Sammy and Jay kind of doing their thing. But um whenever Logan's really been in the ring hyping this fight outside of that awesome prep conference that they did about a month or so ago, it's kind of been meh in a way. So um oh, we'll see. Roman was pretty awesome on Raw with the Miz. Um I do like how they're giving Logan, a puncher's chance, really, with the right hand, and then, you know, Heyman adding the nuance of, well, he's got, he's got metal in there, and it was never taken out, and yada, 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 his brother's a boxer, so the one lucky shot adds some intrigue, I'm sure it will uh, play well with the structure and the storyline of the match, but uh, Matt, over or under 10 minutes for this match, what do you think?
3: Ooh, that wasn't the question I was ready for. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. I think. Okay. I think uh, from what I've gathered and what I've seen through various social medias, it seems like Logan Paul is really putting in the time and the work. He's working, I think, with Sean Michaels. I think he's also working with Drew Gulak. Uh, those are two guys, two good guys to work with, and they've had a good amount of time to get prepared for this. I'm gonna go over on this one. I think it's gonna be a good one. I think we will all get very stressed out from that one lucky punch. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's 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 actually a decent storyline. It's just the, uh, you know, really the, the other the nuts and the bolts stuff that's been kind of blah.
2: But like, um, the, like the nuts and the bolts at his hand, which is like it, <laughs> it didn't it didn't work for Lex Luger's forearm. But they're going to use it now to make him uh, seem like he has a chance. Yeah, uh,
1: it, it's something. He's a YouTube star that has two matches, <laughs> but he has. He has a lot of eyeballs, man. You know what I mean? So I I get it. It seems soon in the in the grand scheme of things. It seems very soon to go to this, but then it, it's for a reason. I assume um I still low-key wouldn't rule out Logan Paul being in the war games against the bloodline in some way, but uh I hope not Jake Paul and something. That's like a little overkill there. I don't know. The Jake Paul of it all kind of concerns me, really. I'm not gonna lie.
2: I was like say all the the like we're saying, the goodwill and the hundred days of trips, and it's like this is killing not killing but this is not the way to get that this is not currying favor with longtime fans i don't think in any shape or form so like the idea of both these dudes being a thing now and like oh it's it's great that uh what's his face jake paul after having like the second fakest fight ever after his other fight is like oh that's he was you know like oh yeah he's a real bruiser now like it's so i just it just rubs me i just don't like any of it it's just so silly and him being a, a dick so they trying to make him a heel a little bit on tv it seemed but i think that's just his personality i like, think it's he's
1: like, gonna kind of turn it after this honestly i think but he they, was already that,
2: tell, He already told everyone on in on tv that they were being fucking stupid like it's like i don't get it and especially since roman is really leaning like with a little a lot of face stuff you know especially with the sammy stuff it seems really like i mean to me that seems smart because that's how it should be done but it's really anachronistic too. However, everything's going, and I think there's a subtle wink and a nod to like Roman being kind of the face in this. I don't know how deep they're playing it. They're not really laying into it heavily, since I mean, there's only like what one, one more TV left, which I think is already shot. So I don't know. It's just all of it just seems so silly. I don't, I don't need this guy around. It's just seems silly to me. Granted, Rocco, I don't really think he's for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? like, I, yeah, but you know, yeah, you're, maybe you're right. Maybe you're just right. <laughs> Yeah. Matt, you got anything else on the on the Logan Paul of it all or, or the Roman of it
1: all? What do you think of the bloodline? Is This is one of the biggest storylines that they got going on in in a long time. A big success in my eyes, a big success in these podcast guys' eyes. What do you think, buddy? We haven't heard from you about them.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to, before we get to that, I wanted to say I, I actually really have enjoyed the build to this Logan Paul Roman Reigns match. I don't know. May, it might just be me. I just, I've just like like slowly starting to see like like the like on Monday Monday night that was like the cap of it right he's like Roman Reigns is just absolutely like beyond done with like dealing with Logan Paul like it's so he seems so frustrated and rattled for the first time whereas before it's kind of like I'm Roman Reigns business as usual calm cool and collected like I I really enjoyed like seeing his kind of progressive frustration with 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 Logan Paul um and as for the bloodline I mean they're killing it right it's it's the best thing going on TV right now. Uh that's like if you miss Smackdown like you're chiming in to just see what Sami Zayn did, right? He's <laughs> yeah. ev- everything he does t- turns to gold, right? Uh so I'm really enjoying the stuff with the Bloodline. I'm hoping they let it simmer for a little bit longer. I don't know what the angle you end up taking here is. I'm assuming like it's like a Kevin Owens versus like the Usos or maybe like a I'm sorry, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos or maybe like a Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa of, versus the usos kind of a little dissension in the bloodline but this kind of comedic back and forth and jay uso just being so frustrated beyond belief with him is is it's really good stuff i'm enjoying it
1: yeah, he actually does matt makes a good point here the roman reigns of it all of this storyline has been really enjoyable i do like how he, like he mentioned how he Logan Paul stresses him out. At the end of the day, that should be something Logan Paul should be doing, uh, adding stress to his opponent going into the match. So my frustration is kind of just the prospect of the Jake Paul of it all. And I guess Logan just is like less likable now being solo opposed to being around The Miz or Ciampa, whoever. So Logan needs fluff. I'm just not sure that Jake Paul is the right fluff, unless if they're like full-blown like everyone hates them kind of heels so
2: i don't know it, it and it's also to me it's like for the roman like yeah like that's very right like the way they've been doing it is great with the the hayman uh, the press like all that stuff is really well done it's just i don't know if i needed to be this dude and i'm not gonna be one of those like oh it's not helping a young guy that's like uh, yeah i mean it probably should but i'm not just saying it that way but just to me it's like you don't get a million roman reigns matches and it's like all this time for this fucking dude just seems like it just seems like a waste to me like i don't enjoy it and no, it's just it's the sorry yeah it's just the casting of him as it. everything around it is great but him being cast in that role like and you know it sounds like yeah it probably should be a different dude right and it would be amazing for just like if that was just random dude who won a match to be the number one contender like an Ali or whatever you know i'm just throwing out a name it could be the same story instead of this dude so i don't know that's what you're saying Although, like I do, like like you're saying about the bloodline, like and I don't know, like we're not really doing uh things, but like mentioning uh, well, we're not talking about that now. We'll talk about the uh, Survivor is, Series it so
0: all. So here's my question: Is Logan Paul gonna be um super over in Saudi? How does that work? I know in the states he's not. Um, Nothing super over
2: with... in Saudi. Everyone just stares at their cell phones. Look, look at look at the crowd. It's the, it's the worst crowd they ever it's played.
0: The, it's the eight people that, that are allowed to cheer because they run the country that react. Right?
2: Goldberg and Yokozuna
1: are fucking over in Saudi.
0: So, Sumi, what was his name? The big fat Asian guy. Sumi. Sumi, I don't
1: remember. That guy one
0: fucking match. ruled. That, that was electric,
1: though. That guy coming out was awesome.
2: I'm not going to lie. Such an interesting <laughs> thing. It's so crazy that that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's the crowd always sucks, so no one's over in that thing. I don't know.
3: Now, I asked one question and it just doesn't have to be a big thing. I know we got to move on from from this match, but like who, you know? I think well there's like genuine truth into what Roman Reigns says in his character that like he's on such a different level that if you put him against an Ali or if you put him against a uh, I don't know, so uh, an Elias or something like that, like like who who can l- literally compete with this guy because if if it's Ali versus Roman Reigns, there's like no chance in hell I'm going to waste my Saturday. Like, Saturday mm-hmm. day, it's going to be like 75 degrees out. It's beautiful. And, but it's Logan Paul. I'm kind of like, all right, well, let's just see what happens, you know,
2: because like it's stranger things have happened. You're not wrong because it kind of seems like, you know, like we've been saying, like, and me and Ryan have had many disagreements about the fact that they killed the. They don't, they never, they were so focused on Brock and Roman for so long that now there is. They've destroyed the upper mid card dudes that you do believe fighting him, and you can't go back to Drew. So, yeah, like having a name like this is something, right? Like it does make a level of interest other than that. But that just means that they weren't doing a good enough job of getting people to a place where they could be a surprise or a, a guy getting under Roman skin like this, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's a good point.
1: All right, the next match here we have is Bobby Lashley. Versus Brock Lesnar. And it's just a singles match. No, no, no stipulation. No last man standing. No f- extreme rules. No f- street fight. No nothing. So. Oh. The build has been pretty straightforward. Um, these guys forgot they hated each other since January. They forgot that they get under each other's skin since January. And they kind of just picked up where they left off in January. So. These are two meaty ass motherfucking men wanna slap me and get really after it. That's just the gist of the story. And it doesn't have to be anything other than that. They've had they've saw each other, what, three times? And each time it's been a full pull-ap- apart pull apart brawl, besides the first time where Brock caught him and threw his ass around and reminded him who he who he is. Brock is due to get his win back, you would assume. Um is that a foregone conclusion, Rossi? And um I'm going to give you a time. Like I give Matt over under 10 minutes in this match.
0: Oh, I think it's going to go over. Um, not, maybe not by much, maybe like 12, 13. I think that, uh, there'll be a lot of selling and big power moves. Um, so ultimately that's going to lead to your 12, 13 minutes or so. Um, Brock's definitely going to win. I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't, uh, Lashley's had such a good run this year that he doesn't really need this win. Brock kind of does, as crazy as that sounds. like Does Brock Lesnar really ever need a win? Yeah, because he's pretty much lost all of his big matches in the past year, um, other than when he won the title back in, uh, or then he won the, the title at the Chamber. Um, but, I mean, it's Brock Lesnar. The guy's money. Um, just the fact that, like, on Raw, he didn't want to do the sit-down interview, so he just came to the ring to fight. I thought that entire angle on Raw with Triple H coming out, saying they can't touch each other, that was electric. I like the use of Triple H, you know, being sparingly put on TV um, to kind of bring the importance of something home, and I think that that worked with this. I think they've only really done like what three Raw, three Raw builds for this match, and it's made me just hype for it. I mean, they could build nothing, and I'd be hyped for this match. I thought their Rumble match was good. I just think now it's time to really take it to the next level and give them like kind of that no pressure, no title match type of deal and. You know, Brock will get the win, and they'll run this back at some point, maybe even Mania. Who knows? This
2: might be the sweatiest match of all time as well.
1: Oh, definitely. Gallons and gallons of sweat poured throughout this match.
2: Can they For get sure. the big show to special guest referee and just add to the volume of of sweat?
1: I don't know, but some proud Saudi prince is definitely going to buy that sweat and sell it on the on the black market.
2: Fuck oil. Way. They got sweat now.
1: <laughs> For sure. I, don't know. I think it'll be a good match. Um mm-hmm. The Rumble match is kind of disappointing, but I still had it, I think, at, like, three and a quarter. It's just the whole, like, I think Lashley got hurt in it, for sure. Um, and the weird booking of Roman coming and costing him, MVP kind of, like, on the outside ramping him up. Oh, it was weird, but it was physical, and just those side suplexes were weird. So I'm curious how he takes those suplexes this time, because he's been taking them on the side. I think he's got the bad shoulder. So that's kind of like just a weird, like, chemistry thing. I wonder if that's going to kind of hold them back chemistry-wise from really going out there and just burning the world down that they as they could. So um, overtime with the Celtics. Anyways, continue. Um, oh, anyone else on that match before we move on?
2: No, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be big, like you said, <laughs> big slappy men slapping meat. Would you... <laughs> then I, know I like
0: that it's... I like that it's a match that like Brock can have and there's going to be no bullshit. Like there's not going to be interference. I feel like there hasn't been a Brock match like that in a long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, The next match here we got here is for the raw women's championship. Bianca Belair versus Bailey in a last women's standing. Um, These girls are due. Um, All the ladies are going to be there. You figure it's gonna be leading to some type of war games thing. Uh for me, damage control is still kinda of not living up to the hype. It's it's okay. Don't get me wrong, it's okay, it just feels forced. Um Hello, at the grand scheme of things, Bailey might be a two, honestly, instead of a leader, if that makes any sense. But she has super amount of charisma. I'm never mad that she's on my TV. I think that she's solid and good. Whatever she does, I just have super high expectations because she's an all-timer, in my opinion. So I'm, you know, I've left a little bit disappointed, but um, I'm curious of Belair's direction once Triple H kind of sinks his teeth into her. Obviously, she's an NXT girl who, you know, that they love down there. We talk about all the time where she set all the records at the PC for the lifting and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I think that she's a she's still young enough. Her and Montez announced today are going to have a Hulu show. So that's kind of a reality thing that they can sink their teeth into. So, Bel Air ain't gonna go anywhere for sure. That's for sure. But I don't know. I think that it's sh- they sh- they sh- by now should have the chemistry to go out there and do it. And last women's standing is kind of a weird gimmick. It's a gimmick for a heel to win a match. Rocco, do you think Bailey has a chance to win this and do does Damage Control losing to Alexa and Asuka... Kind of a red herring that Bianca is losing to Bailey here. And do you agree that this is the War Games match? You know, add in Becky, add in Kansas or Nikki on the other side or whatever. Uh,
2: if you're going to do a, a women's War Game match. But I don't I don't think they need to have a one and one on every show that has one of those. But whatever, if they're going to, yeah, it seems like it. They announced uh, it, so I assume. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. I mean, they could always go back, but yeah. Um, like you're saying about her being the number two, I do believe there is a little Nikki hint as well, right? So uh, Nikki joining that group. Might be an interesting thing to have a power struggle with them. I'm just throwing that out there. But yeah, yeah, I really have no fucking clue. I mean, last man standings are always the weirdest match. They're always so conflicting about how they work out. Um, I, I do think what like you're saying with the, the Bellware direction is like the heel turn could be the best thing for her. Because I think it's better than her. I mean, she's only been a face on the main roster. And she was an insanely good heel in NXT. And if Sasha is going to so come that's back. Maybe how Triple H views are really. Right, and I think she's great at it, and um, it's been a long time. Her turning would be huge. It would be a great moment. And, like, that's the thing with wrestling, that we, the big moments are always so surprise-based now. We've just gotten used to that through Attitude Era stuff and and big returns, AEW relied on it for a lot, where a big heel turn is not as commonly, like, well, hey, you can't tease a heel turn. I guess you can, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it can't just be like, Someone might appear or something like a, like a punk showing up. But like a big heel turn like that, it's tough to have a, a big star who essentially is the John Cena of the women's division at this point. And if Sasha comes back, she's going to be whole, probably the biggest face going. She stood up to Vince McMahon. She came back like, I'm going to be all in on her. Belair's the perfect person to be the heel. They had the WrestleMania match. It was the best match of the card. Like So to me, that's the best place for her to go. So maybe her losing to Bailey to me, a Saudi women's match is always going to be fucking tainted, and it's always going to annoy the fuck out of me. That's a different story. So, if she wins it there, that's fine, but, like, if she doesn't win it there, then what the fuck's the point? She doesn't need to have <laughs> any more matches, right? She won the feud if she beats Bailey in this match, so to me, if you're going to do uh, crunch the numbers, it seems like Bailey should win, but I do want a turn heel turn eventually, so, yeah, like you're saying, what's her direction? And, yeah, Bailey having the belt, maybe that would make her seem more like the number one than the number two to you, but I don't disagree. No, I do disagree with that. I like Bailey as the top, so. But also they could they could bounce the women's title back and forth, the tag titles back and forth a million times. As just they have, should, honestly. In my yeah, because there needs to be a title that like people are just winning. I mean, UFC titles change all the fucking time, right? Like, you could yeah. win a match and then two, three months later you lose it and no one's like, oh, that was a short run. It doesn't fucking matter. So, like, a tag title like that should just show that people are really good in the division and, well, you need more teams in the division as well, so. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my opinion.
1: Matt, you got anything to add to this match? Will you, you know, we used to do anticipate, most anticipated, least anticipated, somewhere in the middle. When does this Raw Women's Championship match fall for you on the anticipation scale?
3: I'm going to go with it's definitely not my most anticipated. It's probably my least. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm just, I'm not really sinking my teeth into this story. I don't know what it is. I don't know why Damage Control isn't doing what they should be able to do. Maybe they need a solid win. Maybe Bailey needs a solid win to kind of push push them in the right direction and maybe push Bianca back in the right direction. But I got to go with this is my, my least anticipated match. I'm not really expecting much out of this. And like Rocco said, for some reason, those Saudi matches are always super frustrating uh, to watch. It's just not the same. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's it. Um, I'm going to stick with uh, I'm going to stick with least interesting.
2: I, I, we've discussed on the show how the damage control has been tre- it's, it They've just been stuck in one feud for so long where it didn't it shouldn't have been that way. It should have been a rough shot over the division, but they don't have a division to do that, to. Like I always say, like, it should have been the NWO coming in. But yeah. it was more like, well, we're just gonna fight Bianca for fucking six months or three, three weeks, three months, whatever. So and that's the little part. Not that it hasn't been good and I haven't enjoyed it, but I just need a little variety in it, right? And that yeah. makes it unanticipated. I totally agree. It's like question
0: a... question for you guys. <clears throat> Is Candice LeRae turning heel and joining damage control? Oh. Mm. I wouldn't mind that. Because <laughs> like I was back, I was, I was in I was in Vegas last Monday, so I caught up on raw the last two weeks, like yesterday so i just what i i was kind of me and ryan had talked about maybe that being a case like on the side so i really paid attention to it and when damage control jumped her you never saw it they they pushed the camera aside and you could hear commotion that that doesn't mean that they actually fucked her up right um and then she wasn't on raw this week so and then alexa and and um uh, Oscar came back, won the titles, so and they said they were going to be in Saudi to help um, help Bianca. So now they've even the odds. Candace comes out because maybe one of them get taken out, and they make you think that she's going to, you know, help Bianca, and then she fucks Bianca, and that's how Bailey wins, and now she's in damage control. Um, I, I kind of see it happening, and then there's your your war games team for the heels.
2: A a four-team faction is always a little cooler than a three-team faction in terms of, especially a heel faction like that. Well, it's not that. Just because it gives you that, you get the power struggle of the two, like if you have a tag team in there, you get the power struggle of the two singles people and you have, I don't know, it just always gives a little more dynamicism to it where you're not beating the tag team for the You know what I mean? Like, there's just a little more to it. So a four-person down control is way more exciting to me than a three-person.
0: And you can mix the tag teams up a little bit. But they did harp also a couple weeks ago when Candice had a match and Bianca was on – I mean, I'm sorry, Bailey was on commentary how they used to, you know, work together in the indies way back in the day. So there's definitely something budding there with Candice. And, I mean, after how good she was as a heel in NXT, I could definitely see them wanting to go back to it.
1: And I think that was more Johnny. Here's my th- two t- two cents on that. Just the timing of it being in Saudi and, you know, having to have a mother travel to Saudi for an angle. It's not impossible. It just doesn't sound logistical, and especially with Johnny not being on the card. But with Johnny not being on the card, maybe he can babysit. So I'm not ruling that out. It just feels weird.
2: Or a or fun a, raw. Maybe a fun raw angle instead instead of the great
1: Yeah, part. but you think that you would want it to be impactful and for her to turn and to win the title. But gotcha. and the other thing is Jesus, um Candace, Eo, Dakota, none of them have real natural charisma. So it would just be more of a negative towards Bailey, in my opinion. I think she's she, Bailey needs juice to work with in that role. Maybe on the heel side they can pull it out of Candace, but I don't naturally, I don't really see it with the, when she, when you mentioned her being a decent heel in NXT, I felt it was just based off of Indy based off of Johnny and based off of theory, that energy and Candace just being the Healy mom in that group, just kind of adding two cents. So could it work? But I just don't think there's as much to work with as she worked with in the way. So I don't know. I could see it eventually. It's just the timing of it just Feels weird. It feels like it should be impactful. So I don't know. Maybe. Hopefully, I think I like it personally. I just just don't feel it vibing correctly. I don't know. It could work. Here's the thing. You grow into roles, so we'll see. All right. The next match we have here is the OC, the Good Brothers and AJ Styles versus the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and my boy Dominic Mysterio, with Rhea Ripley. Now, are they going to get another check here to kind of equal this out and stable this out and just kind of even the playing field? They, they, it's two Raws in a row where Rhea has just been kicking field goals on those guys' dicks left and right. So um, I don't know. It just feels like a woman is going to appear for a big Saudi surprise and... Make it happen. Uh, Can I volley a few names if I will? Um, Or if you guys have other ideas, let's hear it. I think Charlotte Flair is the big whale there. That would be kind of cool. But it just feels she's too big for that slot. Dana Brooke. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It feels below her. Dana Brooke is the next one being, um, you know, she used to do things with um, Doc Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson on the side in like weird like 19 or 2019, 18, like Good Brothers Doctor trying to find that character lane. And she's really not doing anything. So I could see them kind of throwing her in that role. She was good at with Titus as like that second or third woman or whatever. So I don't know. She could fit. And then the other one is a wild one. And it's Miko Satamora. I heard that one today. It's just the, you know, the OC. Japan connection it's it's wild it's out of control but i think it would be a hell of a cool way to introduce her um she doesn't really have much character but um she does honestly she doesn't need character she kicks ass but on on a wwe tv i think it'd be cool for her to kind of find her lane in a group you know based out of japan is a stereotypical maybe i guess whatever but still i think it would be would be cool i don't know but i don't really think that's happening i don't know what do you guys think matt what do you think of this club are you an oc guy an old balor club guy what do you think of the judgment day we just hold this whole world world salad i get through at you what you think
3: uh, originally, I was I was very sour on it, but I'm I'm feeling good about it now. I would say it's probably like if if everything that's going on with the bloodline is on SmackDown is number one. This is probably my number two. It's something I'm going to tune in to check on. and Probably watch a couple times. I think I'm loving what they're doing with Don Mysterio and Rhea Ripley. Damian Priest is still kind of finding his groove in there, and I've never. This is probably the most I've enjoyed Finn Balor in a long time. Just personally, not a fan of his. Uh, as for the OC, right? You gotta love it. It's a it's a really really cool return. I think once all this stuff uh, kind of simmers down with the Judgment Day, they'd be an awesome addition to the tag division. Um, so I'm mean, a really I'm a big OC guy. I think this is a perfect spot for like a Mia Yim to come back. Uh, okay. That's kind that's kind of my my theory. I think that's a it fits her kind of like you know tough tough. I'll fight you. We're bringing in the big guns kind of vibe. Um, so Sound like that. I'm definitely excited for the match at Survivor Series. It's higher up on my excitement rankings, and I'm going to go with a OC victory thanks to the addition of uh, Mia Yim.
1: Yeah, I feel like the OC is due for this one. I don't think the hurt would really the loss would hurt Judgment Day so to speak, but um I think adding the woman is at the perfect time for them to get the win is ideal. Rocco, what do you got on this one?
2: I can't believe that you would try to make the 24 hour seven champion just a pawn and this is a great this feud so that's insane to me that you would do that stature wise if, you, <laughs> if you're wise, if you gonna do it i guess it seems below um raquel who is probably like the biggest person physically to match up with Rhea, which would be a great match but that that's a match there's that should be there, be there too rocco uh, yeah but that's also that's a match that should be a women's division title match down the road that's i don't want to unless there's a v- very minimal uh, if she's just like a equalizer that's one thing to set up something but I don't need them to have a match in this feud I don't think um, I guess maybe like since uh, <laughs> you always have to throw Tamina Snuka a bone every once in a while to keep her from uh, oh, dishing boy. the family secrets uh, I feel like maybe she could be a big uh, she's a big enough person to maybe uh, fight Raquel and then would probably be the most over she's been in since she was like the Usos uh, third so I'll, I'll go. Uh, Tamina might be a good choice for that even though I never want to I'm see not, her wrestle again, but I'm just I'm saying. Lie. I'm just, to me it's a terrible choice. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, she's tall and she can just super kick uh, Rhea once and then like go off TV for six more months and not tell her what the bodies are buried that she obviously knows
0: as well.
1: I don't know, Rock, Rossi, what do, what do you think of uh, Nia Jax here? <laughs>
0: I'm just oh, yeah. oh, God. Oh, God, please. No, Um, I was just about to say fucking Blair Davenport. And I was like, uh, I don't even really believe it, but I'm just looking at the women's roster and you can link her to Japan, too. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think the Miko thing is cool. Um, I just don't see how like a Dana Brooke would be conceivable to go toe to toe with Rhea Ripley. Right. They really haven't done enough with her to make it kind of go that way. But, I mean, yeah, looking at their women's roster, there's just shit that that I would see that is in this role that, you know, has been off TV or whatever. I like the Mia Yim idea. I think that fits. Um, It's grown uh, on me the last few minutes. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's a really great idea on that, by the way.
0: (laughs) And um, other than that, like, you know, I mean, I'm not – this is a situation where, you know, the OC won the singles match on Monday and then got beat down. I think they they should probably win this match. Yeah. and, you know, maybe have that woman, whoever it is, help them do it. Um, I mean, I don't expect to be like, you know, a boatload of people that aren't booked on the show sent over there. But who knows? I mean, there could be some cool ideas.
2: Well, that's a great way to, like, apologize to Mia Yim for ruining like a year of her career, right? Like, oh, here you go. You got a really cool angle to be in. We're sorry we did that to you.
1: <laughs> they bring her back as reckoning and just ruin
2: oh, God. it. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is an apology for that bullshit. So, yeah. I like that idea, Matt. Very good.
0: Here, put on a put on this um, latex outfit and debut, re-debut in Saudi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah, we
2: got that. Is that a thing? Oh, that's a weird thing too, right? Yeah. Once again, I'm thinking all these things that we're so- saying are not going to happen until the RAW. I don't think you're seeing surprise people in the set. That could be wrong.
1: Yeah, well, they need finishes, buddy. But anyways, um, the next match we got here is. Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a steel cage match. I don't know. To me, Cross is still a miss. I don't get the whole choking up Madcap and talking to the clouds. Um if if Scarlet's not talking, I don't I, I just don't feel the connection really. And, and honestly, Scarlett, besides the entrance is kind of just there. But I Rossi, I have a question for you. Why? Why, why Why are these guys feuding? Why did Drew get attacked by Karrion Cross two months ago? Like, Did we ever find out?
0: No. I mean, it, it was obviously just a way to reintroduce Cross, but, I mean, it was so out of place at the time. Um, and now this just feels like a way to get Drew his win back. Um, and then is that really it? Because then it's 1-1. I mean, I fucking hope so. I've had enough of this feud. Um I, I mostly, I mean, and I'm a cross guy saying that, right? I just don't, I don't know. I feel like there's never really been, like you said, a good explanation of why Cross is, is angry with Drew, why Cross is, you know, any, like, what what is he exactly? Like, Scarlet's like this like witch that can do all this weird shit but like what is cross like they've never really taken the time to explain that and they may just be cross may just be a victim of bray wyatt returning so they kind of want to keep him more normal because bray's the one that is going to be the abnormal um i don't know it's it's a it's been a wonky feud should be a decent match in a cage but at the same time you know it's when you stack it up next to like a brock and a and a Lashley, um, it's probably going to suck. So, um, not real excited about this. And, you know, you know me. Two months ago, I was excited about anything Cross. So, they've they've definitely dropped the ball here. He's dropped the ball. I don't know. Maybe the presentation of him just doesn't work. Um, but he seems very second-rate already. And this match, like, feels like it's a cage match. I feel like nobody gives a shit about.
1: Yeah, I, ju- I just... I don't get it. And, and Drew feels super cold too. Like the like the the parking lot attack was cool, I guess, but
2: He seemed he seemed oddly absent from the feud, right? Like he's really he's in the feud, but he has not really it's been a That's a part really good way to put it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, it's oh I'm I'm just ready to move on. It just feels like both these guys need a draft. I think At the end of the day, Cross can be an effective wrestler, but I think he just kind of oddly needs to be in a tag. Like Vince would put this guy in a tag and have the smoke and mirrors be there and the effect be there and just let him find his groove within a tag. This feud, if he loses, he's probably going to lose this feud. He's established to an extent. Find a tag partner. Just get a cool entrance. Get a cool tag team and go from there. Just be a... A hot tag, a hot tag guy, and just find your way within the within the ring. I don't know. I still find him extremely uninteresting in the ring, and I find him even more under, in, uninteresting when he's doing his medicine mad talking. So I don't know. you got anything to add, Matt, about cross?
0: Yeah,
3: real quick. I guess from what I've gathered, I thought this storyline was all of like a like a that should have been me kind of story. I could be totally wrong. but from what I get,
1: but still.
3: I know again you that that but that's a, you know that's even like a good way to kind of just lean into it and give the story a little more substance it just feels like two guys wailing on each other so I,
1: it shouldn't be a bad thing it should be entertaining they you know Drew's a great wrestler cross is passable it's just so it could it still has upside to be okay but It's just no investment because the story is just so whack. (laughs)
2: Do do you think it's a bad first story for Cross? Like the initial attack was cool, but like he didn't have like a little run, maybe beating up smaller dudes. It's cool that he took out a big gun, but like he just had this like kind of stagnant feud with him. On
1: paper, the introduction sounds great, right? But it's just the substance. It's kind of the the that's the whole story of Cross, in my opinion, right there.
0: And he never even had a run. I was gonna say,
2: yeah. And he never had a run of taking out dudes either. Like he's never his choke was never like, oh, like this guy's choked out like a bunch of fucking like mid card smaller dudes. Like he just kind of attacks a guy who's much bigger than him and bigger in stature and bigger in uh, stature as a a draw kind of guy. So yeah, it just seemed like there was a lot of good ideas there, but I don't think there was a lot of bad. uh, It
0: was a debut. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was a debut that made it like. It almost is like Triple H thought his entire two million SmackDown audience wants watches NXT religiously, and they did throughout the cross um, title cool. run, which we know they didn't because the ratings were in the toilet. Um, but it's I feel like he should have been ramped up more so with the squashes, um, kind of like the OMAS build. Um, OMAS got built not by you know reinserting himself into a feud with Bobby Lashley. He got himself into the position where he got to pay-per-view matches like this Braun one with the big squashes. And I mean Cross is a hell of a lot better wrestler than Almost is. Um, but ultimately, that's the build that I think that they missed out on, is have him come in. They did the squashes, like the Gulak squash when he fucking killed the guy. Um, they did that after the crazy debut, which you're right, Ryan. The, the debut on paper sounds like it made sense, but... If you weren't really gonna get behind him and explain everything about the character and really make him feel like a big deal, you really just put him out there expecting the entire world to know who he was, which they did not know, and they they stopped caring pretty quick um, because you put wonky shit in the way right off the bat between, you know, he only won a strap match, he didn't win like a legit match, yada yada yada. Um, So I think that was their misstep with Cross here is just not introducing him in a way that built up that favor with the audience before you put him in the big matches with Drew.
1: Yeah, so like I said, there's there's a chance that they go out there and have a pretty decent match, but it's going to take a lot to get me invested because I
2: honestly don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, the next match here we have, speaking of Hosses, baby, Braun Strowman versus Omos. Uh Rossi just mentioned a lot of squash matches here. First week it's ones, now it's two, now it's three. I think we got up to five guys each. Uh, sounds like Rocco on a Friday night. But anyways, um, like I don't know, man. It's just kind of...
2: That's a slow it, night for me.
1: It is. it is, like, <laughs> is kind of is what it is with, with this one. Um, It's an attraction for sure. It's just on, on kind of what scale <laughs> does that attraction fall apart? I don't know. I'm kind of interested just to see the optics of it. Um, Rocco, over under four minutes... <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and will we have a body will, will Braun give him that running power slam oh jesus
2: um i think there'll be a lot of staring and pushing and big yeah it's going over four minutes because there will be like a hit and a and that's how it should be with big dudes you should be you take a big hit we don't need five punches one punches from a giant's enough right so yeah i think it'll be over that um I am, since the crowd is so quiet, I think I'm most excited to hear like MVP, like outside the ring being like a fucking Bundini Brown screaming. I do uh, he's going. Well, he should be. That's the only point. that's interesting to me. So, uh, so no Bundini Brown MVP, then I don't give a shit about this match. How about that?
1: Yeah, I believe uh spoiler is he's getting taken out tonight on SmackDown and uh, he ain't going. So I think that's a cute little crutch to give Braun the win, a cute little crutch to give almost some, I guess, reasoning to lose. He doesn't have his, I guess, mentor there to kind of guide him through this match. And then we can get a, a bunch of rematches on the house show circuit because this, this is a 1980s feud
0: and this should be cr- in the
1: Steel Cage and you're at your gymnasium coming this Saturday, every weekend from here on out.
2: I'm going to do a crazy prediction. I know we have uh, Matt on the on – what is the uh... – a prop bet on a on a on a uh, uh, a ring collapsing because they do have a 40 minute prayer period usually so these oh guys God. collapse the ring in a big move oh the match my ends God. total, I squash, it. total I, squash total squat total nothing saudi's gonna never seen that before right so i'm saying that's what's gonna happen i'm gonna where's my uh prop bet on that i'm gonna put i'll give you a hundred i'll give you 10 to 1 on that one that sounds like awesome
1: rocco
3: right did you lend me
2: a Finsky, matt <laughs> Wait, sorry,
3: Matt. I interrupted you. You're good. I was thinking to myself, well, this one's not closing out the show, and then you mentioned that 40 minute prayer, and I said, "Wow, I never even thought of that." Uh, is, it, is that a real thing?
2: Yeah, there's always an intermission for a prayer time.
3: Uh, How come I've it. never noticed the intermissions in the show?
2: Do they? Is it? I remember the first one. I don't remember the other one. Uh, they usually turn and do like uh, promo packages and a little uh, propaganda video or two, and uh, oh, okay. you know, they almost do like a mid- little think... pre-game thing.
0: I think they shortened the shows now from where, because those first couple were like fucking six hours. So I think then they definitely did, but I feel like the last couple have been more like three, and they kind of were able to get around that a little bit. But again, I could be way wrong.
3: Well, Well, if that's the case, I would bet on ring collapse. (laughs) And then if I saw that the show was shortened, I would go hedge my bet with some sort of live bet uh, to cover my money on a no ring collapse.
1: I'll give you a beheading in the crowd 100 to 1. (laughs)
2: so it'll be like the uh the first thunderdome uh (laughs) they did will (laughs) someone
3: answer oh gosh yeah (laughs) it's 1000
2: would you say that (laughs)
1: by talking about money and gambling that just adds the bill to here uh this would probably be my least anticipated match but i do like wouldn't mind seeing the optics of it this would be your bet to be the probably the shortest match on the card it would be this one for sure But uh, I don't know. I I don't really care to see it, but I'm kind of interested in a weird way of seeing the optics of it. Uh, Give me Braun Strowman. I think that's a clear win. Unless if we have some weird ring collapse and it's a double disqualification counter or whatever, double pin, name your whatever gimmick. So Rocco, you could be breaking news on this (laughs)
2: listening after Saudi. uh, What do you know that we don't know, buddy? I know a lot that you don't know, my friend, but uh, this might not be the one thing that I know. That you know. But yeah, we'll see. I'm just saying, Stephanie. I not gonna got lie. Him. You Stephanie's gotta go got...
1: be excited. And now, if it doesn't happen, I'm gonna be fucking mad. <laughs> you didn't fantasy. Your fantasy booking wasn't wrecked. I'm gonna go to Twitter and bitch.
2: Stephanie's got my number. I've been putting it in her ear.
1: Nice, nice. All right, we're almost at the tail end of this card. Um, Alexa Bliss and Oscar, your new WWE Women's Champion, are defending those titles against damage control dakota kai and Sky. uh we kind of ha- hampered on this one a little earlier rossi uh it's i don't see them flipping the titles rocco was a component to try to flip them but i think this is too quick to kind of flip them back but hey you never know could add spice to a match on the card. So let's just flip these titles around, give Alexis a little love, give Oscar a little love and just throw the titles back on damage control. Especially if Bailey's going to win, they can show up on raw with all three titles. So I don't know. That's kind of a, actually I'm talking myself into it a little bit there, but still I would be surprised if that did happen, but I don't know. I, this is probably my least anticipated match on the card, but I will say that raw match was actually pretty, pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Rossi, did you see it? I
0: just don't – yeah, I did. I just don't know why they have to go right back to the match right away. I mean, the belts were just one. I mean, you've got a pretty long show as this it is. This might be the
1: opener in the pre-show. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, you're right. Um, I just don't know where why we had to go right to this right away. It just felt like – and you're right. I almost feel like the winner of this will kind of give away who wins the, the Bianca match, right, because it'll – either be damage control with all the belts or it'll be damage control with no belts. I can't see Bailey winning the title and being the only one with a belt. Um, so Could give her an edge, honestly. Could, it could, could. be what they need. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, I'm kind of where you are with damage control. Like, it's cooler on paper than it's delivered on TV. Um, and it's not that they haven't been working good. They've been They've had good matches. It just feels like it's missing something. Um and maybe it's just I don't know the like how how the feuds have been it's just kind of been like ongoing and the same shit every week and that just gets tedious. Um, I like all three a lot. It just isn't really clicking for me. And Alexa and Oscar are a cool tag team. Um,
1: I think Alexa are in a way. Yeah,
0: I think Alexa is still like one of the more underappreciated women in the in the roster because everybody just has that stink of the fiend on her still. Um, but I mean she's not gonna you know get your five-star match, but she's also not going to, you know, have a shit match either. She works hard. Um, She's small. She, she, all of her offense looks pretty cool. Um, So, I mean, the match should be good, Um, but it's just, you know, it's tough for me to get up for a match when I just saw it, you know, four days prior.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They could use like a third team in the division. (laughs) It might be nice. All
1: right. The other match we got, the last match we got here is the Usos versus the brawling brutes. Ridge Holland and Butch for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Now, Butch and Bridge are a resurgence of a uh, a pretty fun team they got going on here. Uh, once Sheamus returns from that wedding-slash-injury, they could find themselves in a war games against the Usos in the bloodline, so this could just be... This is filler on the card. I doubt that they're really going to win, especially with... um the usos record title record reign coming soon so i think that they're going to get to there um so i could see maybe solo jumping in here or some shenanigans to get the usos the belt Um, i know they're teasing the new day in the usos right before the title breaking day so i think that's pretty cool and i I do appreciate that, even though that match is well overdone. But still, for the significance and the historical reference, I do, uh, do like that. So this kind of feels like a dead match, but it should be a good match. Do you agree with that sentiment, Rocco?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's nothing, you know, there's no harm in losing to the Usos. Like, they're the greatest of all time, just about, right? So, like, uh, you lose a match to the Usos, especially when you're such a young team as, you know, Ridge and, uh, and uh, Butch. doesn't matter if they lose this match. It's going to be fun as fuck. Um and yeah, they're they're probably gonna lose and it's still gonna be entertaining as shit. And you're not gonna be like, wow, that was their time. No, it wasn't, and it's gonna be a fun match to watch.
1: Yeah, there's there's really not much to say about yeah. it. Many more here. Also,
2: like, yeah, and then like we kick into the probable war games with these guys, and you know, it's just you know, whatever shenanigans happen are just gonna play into what I'm assuming is gonna be a really cool long, month long story leading to war games, which so yeah. Give me a little interference give me another another reason and yeah so yeah i mean it's gonna be fun right it's gonna be it's gonna be violent and it, that's pretty much all i care about right sick fuck you <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I just mean it a wrestling match but yes
1: all right so it's a little weird that they uh broke news in the middle of the raw that bray wyatt would be appearing on crown jewel so hmm, interesting the bray of it all has been a slow build no complaint here whatsoever um, it's around, uh, it's a windy road with his history, so they should lay it out. And if it's really going to be successful, especially with the long-term booking director that they hired, all the, you know, all the do- I's need to be dotted, and all the T's need to be crossed for the significance of it to happen in my opinion. So I'm not mad at it at all, but Matt, let me just give me, let's just hear your opinion on Bray. We heard ours last few episodes and, uh, oh, where are you at with Bray?
3: I think I'm like everyone, right? It's just, it's so exciting. Um, Everything has meaning. Um, You know, it's just, it's been a slow burn. Like you said, it's, it's been really good. I've been enjoying the stuff that he's putting out on the QR codes and on SmackDown. And I like that they're still continuing with the QR codes, but I mean, my, I'm kind of at a crossroads where I'm ready for like something, you know, they're, they're like reshowing the whole the whole thing that happened on SmackDown on raw and stuff, you're getting it like basically twice a week. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like, Oh, this needs to, I'm not like, I understand what they're doing and I appreciate what they're doing. And I think it's going to be, we're better off in the long run for it, but I'm just, I'm ready for like just a little, a little bump in the road on the Bray Wyatt story to happen at, uh, Saudi at Saudi Arabia.
1: So I have questions lined up for you here. Hard hitting ones. Um, (laughs) (sighs) when is Bray going to interact with another human being, not being an alter ego? um, You know, when do you foresee that happening? Is it only going to be an alter ego for a while? Is Howdy Doody someone else, Uncle Howdy something? Or is he like a figment of Bray's personality? I
3: I think like someone kind of put it on Twitter pretty interesting, and I thought it made me rethink everything because I was kind of down on this at first. But it's almost like Bray is having a feud with himself. Which is, you know, it's something that's like the most Bray Wyatt thing ever to have a feud with yourself. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit before we see other people get involved. I'm not, I'm not necessarily on the idea of this whole thing being a stable like everyone else wants it to be. I don't think Bray needs a stable. Um, I would rather this not be a stable because that was the whole thing of the Fiend, right? It wasn't Bray Wyatt and five other characters. It was. All of Bray Wyatt demons, right? You know the Huskis, the Pig, um, the Abby, the Witch, whatever. All the all of his shortcomings in his career, and I thought that was really cool. And I think they're starting to build the path to what all of these people are going to represent. Because I think it, what's the name? It's like Uncle Howdy, and then they filed another trademark for like an Uncle Harper. Yeah. Um. So they're definitely telling, laying down a story for us about Bray Wyatt's career and how we got here. I'm I'm just I'm ready for something else to I'm ready for the next big pop in the story. That's that's my kind of biggest takeaway.
1: Yeah, I feel like that we're going to touch on his past like you said and I think it's going to become healed all those you know all those senses and all those pieces of his past and all the firefly funhouse people are going to become healed within this story and this build. And then I think he is going to get represent, representation of them and build a stable around him to isolate him from his own demons and secure his whatever and have him go for whatever prize or whatever personal view that he wants. So I think he, he's going to heal himself and then surround himself. That's kind of my observation of the, of this all, really. When, when you like, say
2: heal himself, do you mean heal like? wrestling heel or heal like like heal his own demons okay okay i'm sorry yeah okay sorry i was um i think i we were discussing it too i agree with matt about like i don't think it ever needed to be a stable because everything he's done is always different than what people anticipated and him coming out as just Wyndham rotunda or whatever i mean i don't think they've actually called him that but just being a person was the most left turn he could have done and it was not. no one said i bet he's gonna come out just as himself and like talk from the heart like no one no one i knew mentioned that to me you know what i mean so he's done everything differently the guy obviously always wants to reinvent and do different things so i agree totally like i like the idea of him just being in his own thing and um yeah like it, i think i agree that it's not gonna be the what is the first few like man i have no fucking clue and that's the coolest part about it too right and the uh doing uh, copywriting names and stuff like just because he copyrights a, a, a uncle harper that could just be a merch thing as a tribute to his friend, like a sister Abigail. It never has to be an actual tangible person. None of those things ever have to be to be a thing they copyright and capitalistic make money off of. So, yeah, like I don't really know where it's going to go. And I do want to see that's something. Great thing too. Yeah, and I just, I, you know, like I'm there for the ride and um, it's a different uh, way to do wrestling. And I'm always for anything that could be done differently. You got to almost watch it as like its own thing. You know, you can't really associate it with everything else that's going on. But
3: do you think we could get to a point in time where Bray Wyatt has one character that is the biggest baby face in all of wrestling with like the entire crowd behind him? And then Bray Wyatt has another character that is like the most sinister, evil. Everyone wants to boo him out of the building. Everyone wants to like like good and evil at the same time.
2: I mean, it's kind of been what he's been. always. well, ever since the Fiend, the Fiend character was based on that, right? The hate, the uh, hurt and heal is a, uh, a major component of, uh, obviously how this guy thinks about life. Yeah. And, um, I'm just you know. thinking of like,
3: like, could he somehow get a crowd to boo him and cheer him in the same session? You know what I mean? Just thinking like weird outside the box Bray Wyatt stuff. But like imagine the same guy can portray two different characters and one is like the absolute most adored, like everybody is rooting for you guy. And then the other one is just like like the most evil, like scary, you want nothing to do with him kind of kind of guy. I think that would be really cool.
1: Maybe if one's on Raw and one's on SmackDown, because inevitably they'd have to kind of collide. And that's just weird. I don't know how to explain that. <laughs>
3: You, you know get, I think you got to watch Bray Wyatt differently than you watch other wrestling that's that's kind of how I've taken it in and I've been enjoying. Yeah I mean
2: as he proved with the uh, the WrestleMania during the COVID era like he is capable of eliciting responses that most wrestlers have never been able to get from people in terms of being meta in terms of making you you know like was he was in the NWO and uh, that whole (laughs) just a wild thing that he did there and that's like you know uh, yeah it's a very interesting concept and I like that idea a lot the
0: the other thing I was thinking
2: about I'm not going to lie it's risky
0: the Uncle Harper Uncle Howdy thing too That could have been a a situation where they didn't know which name they were going to go with yet and then they just decided to copyright both and then figure it out on the back end um The other thing too is is Bo Dallas, Uncle Howdy. Um, the the earring thing was floating around. I'm sure you guys all saw that. Um, but it begs me to think, is um, are we gonna get like an Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt like face to face in the ring at some point? And then that would be a good way to be, you know, have Bo Dallas under there. Um, you know, you never have to even reveal that it's Bo Dallas, you could just kinda make us think that Bray is uncle howdy. And then you see them face to face. And it's kind of the Matt's point. There's your baby face. And there's your heel that are both the same fucking guy. Um, That would be kind of cool. And I think that it would be good use of like bringing, bringing Bo back into the fold without, you know, getting him work without having to, you know, have him be Bo Dallas. Right. So
1: this uncle howdy mask, it's not the mask that he took off when he returned at extreme rules. Right.
0: Correct. But uncle howdy wore the mask over the mask yeah
1: that's some same shit right there bro
0: that is it's weird um it looks like barry windham too it um, doesn't which is is actually his black
1: weird way too it's fucking wild
0: yeah it's it's a lot of weird shit
2: it's an interesting concept to think of bringing back like because everyone knows oh that's bo dallas but what if he's just uncle howdy and we on tv he's never bo dallas right It's such a thing that we lose as older fans and the internet fans and current fans is that a guy just can't be the executioner and like, oh, that's Terry Gordy. Like, that can't ever happen where they don't acknowledge that. So, like, we're in a time where it would be really cool if they're just like, no, this is just some wild character. He's He's not his brother. He's just this character. Like, we don't have to always be as... Non-ca- you know what I mean? We like, don't always have to be like, yes, it's Bo Dallas as this character. This is just a guy. He's never going to take the mask off. He's just going to be Uncle Howdy for a feud. And then he disappears.
0: Yeah, and, like, I think that's best case scenario. Yeah, like
2: yeah. I mean, that's very old school and something I love, the idea of something like that. Like, Kamala didn't ever... If Kamala came back, if he was alive... I love Kamala, sorry. He didn't have to be James Harris. He would just be Kamala. So we don't always need the gimmick guy to be the real person, right? So I don't know. That's a really cool idea.
1: Some quick hitters are not involving extreme rules. Smackdown bloodline segment to open Smackdown. Just unbelievable. Some of the best stuff they've done in a while. Rocco, did you happen to catch that?
2: Yeah, it was a a very fun segment. It was really enjoyable. Um, I don't give a shit if it was like, oh, he should be like whatever. It was just a fun fucking part of a TV show that I really enjoyed. Like, I don't give a shit that. He cracked them up. That's and everyone's favorite part of Saturday Night Live is when people break, right? So that yeah. shit just made that show, so that just made that segment so much fun. And uh, yeah, that was that was great. And it got a lot of people. I uh, I showed it to a lot of people that don't even watch wrestling, and they enjoyed that. Now, do you think Usi was impromptu? Or Dude, he- I've been thinking about it every time I watched him. Like, did he just think of this? And I'm like, I'm gonna fuck that guy real hard on like, live TV. <laughs> like, I have no idea, man. Like, if he was sitting on that for like a week or a day, or just came up with it at the moment. Either way, it's pretty goddamn funny that he cracked him with that. And he almost like Jay almost anticipated it. Like, I don't know. Like it's a really cool way to watch body language, right? When you watch that segment and just see people reacting. So yeah, really enjoyable stuff then.
1: Cause right before that you had Roman with that epic like stare. Yeah. Where where he said, Oh, I don't care I don't care what the tribal chief says. And then they like pad to him and he has this great look. And then, and then, two minutes later, he's like, "That's not very oozy. just—I just, was watching my kid's football game at, at, at high school, or like at his high school. It, I didn't even care the stands watching it because I don't give a fuck, and I'm just like laughing, and people are looking at me, and I'm just shrugging my shoulder, you know, like I don't care, you know. So I—I I don't know. It was just great. The game was a blow up by the way.
0: I should have been watching. I, I, it, I but- think the best part. I think the best part of it was how Jay was trying to do this, like probably the most serious segment that he's done in a while. And he just couldn't keep it together. He keeps like covering his mouth, looking down. And then the whole time you're looking at Jimmy over the corner, over like the the shoulder of him. And he just didn't give a shit. He had completely lost his mind. And I feel like if they ever had solo on camera, he probably was too. Cause if Roman was cracking, which it's fucking Roman Reigns, he never does. um, And then with Jay, Cracking to the level he did. I mean, that was just epic shit. And it just shows why Sami Zayn is so perfect for this role.
1: He's, it's so, I can't, like, I can't believe that's gone so well. It was only, only supposed to last three weeks, I believe it came out. And then they kind of put KO on ice and they're just rolling with the punches with it, man. It's, it's just, I love it. It's my favorite thing on TV now. All right. The next quick hitter here, we have the United States title scene slash the Raw mid card. We got Rid- Riddle versus excuse me, Seth Rollins versus Austin Theory was an excellent non-title match. Some would call it a banger. Uh, Then you kind of had the whole Ezekiel (laughs) as Matt Riddle, or Matt Riddle as Ezekiel against Otis. Alpha Academy's killing it. You had Elias. I kind of dig this Elias and Riddle. Like, obviously, Elias is going to turn on him, and you got that going on. And then you got Ali, who gets really no inter... Gets I like Ali I see the upside but he's really eliciting no fan favor he can like as the match goes along he he grabs the fans but no one cares when his music hits so and then you add in the Miz and Dexter and Johnny and these guys are kind of intertwining and it's really a strong way of keeping all these guys fresh on TV while filling three hours of compelling Raw TV and I don't know it's just Matt what do you think of this whole Raw mid card around Rollins in the US title.
3: Uh, i love it i think it's been i think it's been so cool i think that's one of the biggest vote of confidence for triple h's reign in wwe it's it's starting to feel like everything matters um whereas before it was almost like everyone was kind of just waiting in their line to be number one contender and and then it got to the point where was only two guys and so now it feels like they're building up this big pool of just talent right and then you just go and you let the talent be talented right And, and this stuff with the alpha academy um the Miz, dexter loomis johnny gargano like they're just entertaining guys like and it's they're telling good stories you're not going to get a big payoff in saudi arabia you're going to get a payoff in a couple weeks on raw and i think that's what wwe's been really missing over the past couple years is that week-to-week television and i'm really enjoying it and i'm really enjoying who they're putting in that spot
1: Come on! Speaking of Saturday Night Live, they they pulled off that stupid chips gimmick with <laughs> Alpha Academy, and it was unbelievable. It's just like those guys are just fucking—they rule. They are awesome.
2: It's not chips; it's Chippendales, but just different. Ch- chips. <laughs> chips, and dale, same thing. Well, first of all, you're you're fifty. You get it. it. Um.
1: <laughs> all right. The next the next storyline here we got is the Miz and Dexter Loomis. Johnny Gargano started to get in the mix last episode. We were talking about that and we found out that they spoofed unsolved mysteries. And I don't know if Johnny's making this up, but apparently Dexter was on hard times after getting fired. The Miz staged Dexter, uh, kidnapping him. They kind of just to elicit sympathy that, paparazzis and celebrities seem to do this bullshit or whatever. And then the Miz stopped paying him. So now Dexter's really mad and really wants to get his money. So that's the gist of it. Uh, Honestly, Gargano is kind of a cornball to me. I'm not really feeling this vibe with Johnny, but um, I still feel his overall value. He still has some star power. And um, I'm glad they're not pushing him in the main event, maybe right away, if not ever. Um, So he'll find his groove. I'm not worried about Johnny but I don't know. This was just a miss to me. It feels like that Chiapa got hurt and they kind of pivoted. They had some ideas of what it could be and they kind of pivoted to this and it was a risk and it just a swing and a miss. In my opinion, it wasn't the worst thing I've seen on TV, but it definitely wasn't really the best, you know? So I don't know. Uh, Rossi, what'd you think of that spoof? And is, is this over?
0: I, I the spoof cracked spoof cracked me up because I love the reenactments of like Johnny playing. Yeah, indie. that
1: part. I like that. Yeah. That
0: stuff cracked me up. Um, and yeah, I mean, John, Johnny's definitely been a goofball, um, but it kind of reminds me of Braun, like when Braun came back. He's just kind of lingering on TV. There really isn't a story from the sink his teeth into yet. Um, and, you know, it seems like this feud might be pivoting off of Loomis and uh, Miz over to Gargano and Miz. And um, if that happens, then that's not a bad spot for Gargano to be. I mean, Miz has kind of been in that goofball spot for a bit. and But it also could work that if, um, you know, if Candace doesn't turn heel, then you could probably get some Maurice Candice, Ways to fit this story together as well. Um, it could be a way to get Indy up too, because you obviously teased her in that format. And, you know, Corn Candace has talked about it a little bit too. Um, again, this all kind of goes against what I was saying with Candace turning heel, but ultimately, I'd still love to see the way back together, um, whether it's with theory or not. I think having Loomis, Indy, Candace, and Johnny together in some format sounds cool um it could also be that gargano was supposed to do something with chomper by now and the chomper injury kind of put everything with gargano in the barn burner but i mean think about how good this wwe roster is right now that we're talking about how Guys like Johnny Gargano and Kevin Owens are just on the bar, the back burner at this point. So there's a lot of good stuff that they can do with a guy like Gargano. Um, Loomis is kind of what he is. Like This is kind of the perfect role for him. But, I mean, what's his staying power unless you do something like stable-ish um, when he kind of becomes a person that protects a Gargano or an indie? Um, so not exciting stuff by any means. I'm kind of glad they kept um, this off of the Saudi show because I feel like... You know, let's watch some serious wrestling and, and not have as much goofball shit. But um, I'm not really excited. I think I hope that this closes the door on it, and it's not going to. But it's something that I guess is needed in a three-hour Raw to have some goof stuff. It It's shown range with Gargano, but I really just want Gargano to be in a serious feud at some point sooner than later.
1: Yeah, I feel like Gargano is a better goofy heel opposed from a goofy babyface. Because this is the babyface. He just feels like a, a fucking unlikable nerd in Instead of like in a prickly, annoying heel nerd. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just, oh, he's a natural nerd. Nothing wrong with being a nerd. It just doesn't really feel like it's vibing with me right now as a baby face. But he'll find his grooving. He's a talented dude. Triple H knows him. And I'm not worried about it at all. All right. Ray Mysterio versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship tonight on SmackDown. Rocco, one word answer. Banger alert or no? Oh, absolutely! Real quick, it's it's the perfect
2: match for a taped show.
1: Yes, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think I bet you it's awesome.
2: Yeah, who fucking cares if you know the outlook? If you look it up, who cares? It's gonna be a fucking sick match. Doesn't matter if it's taped or not. Yeah, I just can't wait for Gunther to larn dart and chop Ray
1: into obscurity and fucking make him hurt more than Dom hurt him.
2: And, and Ray's gonna prove why he's one of the best guy at emoting in a mask in maybe the history of American wrestling, right? Like. He's going to be terrified. It's going to be great. And uh, we're going to love it. All
1: right. Uh, Rossi, real quick, temperature check on Rhonda in the SmackDown women's division. What do you think? Shayna, they seem like they're teaming up and I approve of that direction. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's a good direction and it's kind of been a slow burn too. Um, Rhonda has been trying to get Shayna to be more vicious. And then she chokes out Natty, who was her best friend on the first time she turns vicious. And I love my vicious Shayna. Um, I think that's where she's excellent. Like, um, I, even back to her indie days, like I loved when she was doing like these, like picking apart women's limbs and stuff like that's where Shane is awesome. Um, and she's kind of not been able to do that a lot in the main roster. So I don't know where this goes. If this turns into a singles match between Shainer and, and Ronda in some way, I don't think so. Cause it seems like they're both going to be going as heels, but it's kind of good. It, it gives some protection to Ronda. Um, and you know, she has that crazy like MMA chick with her. Um, it's, it should add to some more TV. And, and here's the deal. A lot of people are still down on Ronda. I think that ever since she's come back um, in August, she's been pretty good. Um, they, they've they done a good job in making her be a little bit more serious. and Her as a heel is just their lane. Um, I don't know why they ever thought she was going to work as a babyface um, when eventually they knew she was going to have to be a heel anyways. Um, they sure tried, and it was probably just because they had heel um, Charlotte as an opponent, but ronda's ronda's able to do pretty much whatever you want her to in a heel role she seems like she's way more willing to do work this time around and do whatever her role is is given to her than you know she did maybe on that first run uh so i'm excited i mean it's a perfect way with this open challenge thing to bring girls back to like that was a good way to introduce emma i mean the match wasn't great but it also wasn't bad either um i know no one's ever looking I at heard. emma as yeah no one's ever looking at Emma as his ring general, but I mean, she, her and Rhonda did all right. Um, that would be a good way to bring Chelsea back. And now I would be a little bit afraid of Chelsea getting some arm manipulation from Rhonda. Um, she might snap like a twig, but there's way, it's a cool way to introduce women to the roster. And, you know, and almost to the point, it might be two women, too many women on this roster, but there's a lot of bad ones too. So if they cycle some of them out and get some of the good ones in, um, you know, we'll see where it all goes. But Rhonda, Kind of just continuing to be terror- terrorize the roster as a heel um, until we get a Becky back or you know whatever they decide to do with like a big baby coming after. her. I'm all for it. I think it's the best use of Ronda and really you know the best way that they can kind of get her heated up a little bit on the uh, run up to Mania.
1: Yeah, I like it. I think it's a perfect marriage between them. There- there's chemistry, and when Ronda's comfortable, she's usually pretty good, and she's going to be comfortable with Shayna. All right, let's just do a quick NXT checkup before we uh, get out of the WWE TV segment. All right, Rossi, Dijak's coming back. Where do you think he fits on NXT? Is he an opponent for Braun? Is he uh, in the mid-card, kind of like Apollo? Is he going to be Donovan Dijak, or what is he going to be?
0: It seems like he's going to be Dijakovic again, or whatever he was before. Um, I feel like when they burnt the mask, that kind of built that up. Um, Again, somebody I would slow burn with, you know, maybe have him you know, go right after the North American title or something, you know, him and Carmelo have a little bit of history up here in new England. Um, so you can maybe do something with them. Um, you know, him and West would be a cool match. I mean, all those mid card guys with him being the big bully, I feel like would would be really good. Um, and then ultimately maybe you can get to him and Braun. I mean, I don't know how long Braun's going to be on this NXT roster. It seems like it's going to be a little bit, but I mean, Dijak and Braun sounds awesome. Um, Dijak has those, those matches with Keith Lee that are still some of the most talked about matches, you know, of the last few years. Um, and, you know, I don't see any reason why Braun can't be, you know, 80% of what Keith Lee was in those matches. So um, I, I think that's a direction that I'd ultimately get to. I mean, you probably have another, uh, you have another December pay-per-view, but I wouldn't expect Dijak, you know, and, and Braun at that point, but maybe by the mania weekend one that could be the way to go um, or if they do one rumble weekend or whatever um sounds like a really cool match i'm all in all right two other things so
1: i was going to ask heel or face but it sounds like you want him to be a heel and i was going to say over or under 6 months and it sounds like you said over so there we go
0: <laughs> yeah what actually was funny is when you were talking about how cross should have been in the tag team i immediately thought well him and dijack would have been fucking cool
1: yeah, that's actually uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, they should actually, on the cross of it all, they should throw him in the maximum male models. I think that's just, just <laughs> <a> bit. <laughs> all right. Um, Ava Rain Rocco, the Rock's daughter, is in Schism. Um, I think there's potential for this to be a long-term good introduction for her. I like the sit-down interview this week where she was kind of like, I've been here for three years. I've been injured. No one's cared about me. Everyone has expected me just to show up, arrive, and be whatever. And this family took me in. This family made me feel like I had purpose. And this family um, just... I don't know. I just feel like the vibe's cool. I was surprised it was her. I thought it was going to be Isa from uh, NXT UK. But... When it was her, I was like, oh, wow, that's could be a bad move. But honestly, I like the upside and the intri- it's intriguing, in my opinion. Rocco, what do you think?
2: I think it's amazing. Uh, she's 21 years old. She's very young. And the idea that the Rock's daughter is in a angle with CZW's Joe Gacy, Chainsaw Joe Gacy, who was a guy <laughs> that I've literally seen in barbed wire matches in New Jersey. And it's. He's the stable he's in, like the yellow masks were part of his CZ. It's a CZ, he's using his CZW gimmick and character, and the Rock's daughter's in it, which makes me think the Rock has watched CZW matches with Joe (laughs) Gacy and Wife Beater and all these things, and Larry Legend getting put through a barbed wire board. So that's just insane. It's such a perfect idea of like, well, yeah, like people are going to watch whatever she's doing, like her having a match against whatever. It means nothing compared to this crazy gimmick. She's in a cult. She's kind of almost the Rhea of this cult. not really the Rhea, but she's the uh the, the female character who's not subservient to a male in any way. Like she's a she seems almost like on the level with Gacy. It's just a fucking wild thing and I am I am all here for it. And uh yeah, I mean she seems to have charisma and uh how does she not? You know, she's a fucking Rock's daughter. So yeah, good on it. I mean, I hope it's fucking amazing for her. I hope it's a great way to get her, like, just kind of into the wrestling scheme and being a TV person and uh, becoming a big star.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely see the upside in it, and I uh, I think it's going to work, especially after that first interview. So yep. oh, I'm here for it. Yeah. All right. Matt, big at, are you an NXT guy? Uh, where, where are you at on NXT? And Braun Breaker, where do you see him in the next six months?
3: Um, I'm definitely... Getting more back into the swing of things with NXT, I, I I tried to give it a shot during the, the color the color era, but
1: color splash the, era,
3: okay, color okay. splash era, uh, just wasn't really doing it for me. Um, you know, it's still it was still there was still some good stuff that came out of there, and I, I do think Braun Breaker is one of them. Um, I think kind of he is on track to make his main roster debut. Um, I think it's going to be probably around Raw after WrestleMania time. So I think. He's going to hold that title for a little bit. Um, I was originally kind of at the introduction of this uh, splatter color era of NXT. I wasn't really interested in Braun Breaker. It kind of gave off that like kind of shove down your throat vibe. Um, so but lately, just with the stuff they've been doing with Tyler Bate and Dragon off and McDonough, like putting him up against these like these like old school NXT guys, it's kind of. Slowly but surely, kind of putting him in that mix of those guys for me. Um, I'm liking that they're going to do something with Von Wagner. I think down the line you got to do something with Carmelo Hayes. I think that's the big one. Uh, but I also could see those two going up to the main roster at the same time. But I think the big one is the next natural step for both these guys is a Carmelo Hayes Braun Breaker uh, title title match, and uh, you know maybe move him up to the main roster. But I think it I think it's got to be impactful. I think I like his look. I think he is perfect for WWE television with all the color changing singlets. You can sell 120 different action figures. Um the guy fits like the main roster vibe. I think he's going to come up. I think he's going to come up with an impact. Um I could see him as like an Intercontinental United States title guy fairly quickly.
1: Yeah, I like him. He's I liked him instantly. I didn't hate the name. I remember him being a name, but now it's just like it feels like second nature, you know. So Oh, I I think he has big upside still even under this new regime. And uh yeah, he just oozes charisma. And yeah, he's got opinion. that
3: he's got that main event star look to him. Um I think and I think you regardless of who's in charge of the WWE, I think you need those like staple guys, you know, that that particularly quote unquote Vince McMahon would quote unquote love. I do think you need a few of those staple guys in there. Um to balance out the other guys who might not have that prototypical look, so I think I think he's going to fit that role really nicely down the line.
1: Yeah, and, and I think he'd be an interesting heel one day too. But uh, all right, that's it for uh, the WWE TV report. Let's get into Ryan's thing of the week. <laughs>
4: Yeah, that. Yeah. In the Ferrari, and Jaguar, uh-huh. switching four lanes uh-huh. the top down, uh-huh. screaming out, money ain't a thing." Bubble hard in the double
1: R, flashing the uh-huh. rings With the window cracked, right. holla back, money ain't a thing.
4: Jigga, I don't like it if
1: it don't gleam, gleam Alright, your boy, your boy loves Gapmore your, <laughs> your boy, your boy spent in the bang when you hit the ten bang. years as a bookie <laughs> You know what I mean? So, it's kind of second nature But, you know, it kind of, your boy over here, Matt You work for... What's the company name? Matt?
3: Sports Gambling Podcast Network.
1: Sports po- Gambling Podcast Network, and you're a writer. You might you might give it us a few minutes on your background with that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know it's something I started doing independently, just on like Substack articles. I was just kind of writing my two cents on you know lines I liked for the weekend, or you know I did did a lot of stuff with some teasers, um, just trying to you know just write, just to write. It was kind of something that I got my little creative outlet. Um, I ended up submitting some work to the to the guys over at SGPN, and recently I've just been doing some, doing some writing for them about you know updated MVP odds, updated Super Bowl odds, all a lot of NFL stuff, and I'm hopefully looking to get into some college college basketball this this uh, this upcoming March.
1: Okay, can we get an early pick for me with that? Like the season starts Monday, so this uh, weekend would be perfect. I'm not putting you on a you know, on the hot seat, am I here?
3: This no, this is the hottest seat I've ever been on.
1: Uh, say it again. No, so who's your pick?
3: Oh, I thought Rocco said something. No, Uh, no, no.
1: He just periodically laughs. (laughs)
3: Um, Let's go. Let's just keep it safe. We'll go Duke for now. We'll go Duke for now. All right. I'll change it in a couple weeks. All
1: right. How about the locals here? You're a New England guy, Massachusetts. So uh, PC, yay or nay? UConn, yay or blay? What's up?
3: Um, PC, yay. I always like PC. Uh, UConn, nay. <laughs> That's all. <Here> <laughs> all right
0: guys all right guys I hope you have a good night
3: <laughs> that was I was like eighty percent of the reason why I said that is because I knew I knew rossi would uh would chime in pc <laughs> right. uh yukonye yukonye
1: big big pc network here by the way
0: just, like, just you know the the higher ups is a big pc guy all right so I get bullied I get bullied all the time Matt.
3: <laughs> well, I, I've slowly started to transition um, my writing, and I try, to, I try to do some monthly monthly articles on you know the best odds if you potentially find yourself in a situation where you're betting professional wrestling.
1: And that is a decent transition we got here. So how does this world work? Uh, I, I understand the world that you can – every pay-per-view in every match, there are odds for a favorite and an underdog – in a wrestling match in wrestling is a scripted sports (laughs) and that's kind of wild. So it is fake. If you guys are not aware of that and you, if you are a writer within the WWE, you can place some money on these bets and win easily (laughs) or a wrestler or a guy with wrestling information. So that's kind of wild, but it's it's interesting. So, I have a few questions. Is there like a cap limit on yeah. this? Hard I mean, cap. I think some what the, is that cap limit per bet? Some of
3: the books I've seen maybe will give you like a $50 max, which is still a, like a crazy amount. Um, but I think I've had a capped at 25 before and I haven't yet to find one like legally in the United States gambling, but I think it's becoming more, um, it's becoming more of a thing, believe it or not. Like you get those DraftKings things on the pay-per-views, like, who's going to go through a table, yes or no, or whatever. You know, like they do those challenges through DraftKings. So I think we're getting there, but hard cap, hard cap. I think the most I've ever seen was 50. Have, have you ever heard a story of someone obviously being a ringer
2: and being caught for it? No, yes. I, ha- no. I have
3: not. I have not. I think it's very difficult to – it's still pretty difficult to bet on professional wrestling. You, you can do it through, like, some offshore websites – but a lot of times that I've ever bet on professional wrestling, I had to like buy a cryptocurrency and then put that cryptocurrency on that website, and then I would get that cryptocurrency back and I would have it converted into cash. <laughs> so it was definitely a headache. I've never heard of anything anything like that though. I just mean, yeah, like yeah, no, like a, a this guy obviously writes for the WWE, and he, okay, interesting. No, 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 not nothing, nothing too new, too interesting like that yet.
0: What I've seen too, and what I followed it is that. The, the odds can sway so quickly because not many people are betting on it. So you get one guy that comes in and he puts 50 bucks on, on Brock to win as a 600 plus 600 underdog. Now maybe the, the line flips like almost completely because of that. Um, so like you'll notice too, that a lot of these pay-per-view like day of pay-per-view, the odds will change in the last hour or so. Um, and sometimes convincingly, and that's where you kind of know, you know, who's going to win, and then betting on it doesn't even become an option because if you've got like uh, Charlotte Flair that's minus fifteen hundred to win a match, like what's the sense of even betting on that, you know? Yeah,
2: the idea of pr- the prop bet idea is more interesting to me in terms of wrestling because so there's yeah. more fun to it of like yeah. what could happen. Is this is there going to be a drop kick thrown by the big like just random shit like that? And a yeah. lot of that comes from, I think, almost drinking games from the Royal Rumble too, right? Because we used to all have like our weird Royal Rumble betting pools, right?
3: Yeah, I'm really enjoying what DraftKings is doing.
2: Um, they have that partnership. I think they have a
3: partnership with AEW too. But like on the on the premium live events or pay per views, um, they would do like, oh, you join this join this pool of people. Everyone, I think, you, I think it's free to enter, and I think like the top three people win a couple hundred bucks or something. And the questions are like um is someone going to get hit with the belt will the match last longer than 15 minutes uh who who, is someone going to go through a table um so it's like all those fun little like you said like those quirky little prop bets and i think that's that's a really cool thing that they they, i could definitely see them kind of hammering more on that down the line because you can't necessarily predict it it's a little bit harder to to predict i guess
1: WrestlingRumble.com always did like a ten dollar buy-in, and he would just ask a shitload of questions, and like the winner would win like a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars and or three hundred dollars for a third place, or he would give a belt away or something like that. So there's definitely a market for it, and obviously he was making money if he was doing it. So that was something that I put Rossi onto, like I think a while ago. We were always doing that, and then on PTBN we always have our little secret group where we have our you know weekly bets and just kind of the winner gets like 10 bucks a month or whatever whatever so that's it's fun it's interesting it, it it's stupid but if there's like a 10 or a 25 or 50 cap like what's the point it's harmless for these sites to do it you're gonna win 50 bucks you're gonna if you were ever to take a big favorite and lose you're gonna lose way more than you're risking and it's not gonna add up so that's kind of the gist of it and winning the long shots are kind of once in a lifetime Really? We'll get we'll get to that in a minute. And now my next question is, Matt, can you parlay these things? So if I wanted to take Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley to win, can I do a two to two wrestler parlay this weekend kind of thing?
2: A trifecta. From what
3: I've seen, no, they're only straight yeah. bats. You can't you can't include them in any parlays. Again, I think they're just like you said, they're not they're not looking to, to have risk any serious money on this because, yeah. you know, you could stack up a bunch of different wins on a pay-per-view and Basically, you could pr- probably pretty easily predict a whole card at least a couple times a year, and you put 50 bucks on that. I mean, those odds are going to add up regardless of what well, you're. Actually, going regardless
1: so, of the long shots and the money yeah, line. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So you know, it, at that point, it's a numbers game, right? You're not even. You're just that number is getting too risky. So I haven't seen it yet, and I don't think we'll ever see it. Yeah. Interesting.
1: All right. Well, we got a little past, present, and future odds for you here. So let's start with the past Rossi Rossi dug up the 10 biggest long shots in I don't know when we started tracking this I know that we go back to 2012 or 13 with these wrestling odds so I don't know if odds were coming up before that I remember hearing about it in 14 I've heard stories about you know LockWrestling.com. Uh, getting backstage information with writers and then using that on his website to predict winners and sell winners or whatever and then just garner relationships within the WWE. And, you know, it's Billy Boddy. He's a fucking weirdo. And that's a whole nother lane. But there still is a history of, you know, WWE backstage guys accruing information and passing that out. So, Rossi, what are the 10 biggest long shots to close now when a when a bet closes, that means the final bet. If a bet can open at plus a thousand but it closes at plus eight hundred, that means that the bet the favorite was bet down to plus eight hundred. So these are closing odds, correct Rossi, before we get going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're not a gambler. Um, If I say somebody was plus 550, that means you get paid $550 if you put 100 on them. So if you put 50, you get 275, et cetera, et cetera. So if it's, and then same thing with minus, if someone's minus 500, you've got to bet 500 to win 100. So that's just kind of the way. If you're at plus money, it means you're a crazy underdog. Um, sometimes with these numbers, like really crazy. Um, but there's a, there's a couple of ties in here, but I'll buzz through this kind of quick. Um, give us number the 10, yeah. Give us the date and the match, if you will. Yeah, number ten, Charlotte was plus five fifty when she beat Oscar at WrestleMania thirty-four. So that one paid out pretty well. Fifty dollar bet there, like get you two seventy-five. Um, Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania thirty-three in the pre-show was plus six fifty against Baron Corbin. That's, that's absurd. Um, <laughs> So a $50 bet there gets you $325. Uh, Team Hell No uh, was plus $600 at the Royal Rumble 2013 against the Rhodes Scholars. found that kind of surprising. I don't really remember why the Rhodes Scholars would have been such big favorites then. Um, so a $50 bet there would have won you $300. Same odds here. Uh, the Shield, in their first match at Elimination Chamber 13, um, in a three-way against John Cena, Ryback, and Sheamus, the Shield was plus six hundred and one. Um, so, you know, that could have been a definitely a smart better out there that won some money there. Um, and then the top five, you got two tied at five. Big Show, plus 700, um, beat Ryback at Money in the Bank 15. So a $50 bet there and actually 350 um, And same number for Charlotte at plus 700. So Charlotte's on the list twice. She beat Sasha Banks at SummerSlam 2016 at plus 700 odds. And then the top four, now this is where we're really starting to get into to some crazy money. Um, number four, Randy Orton, uh, plus 800 when he defeated The Fiend at WrestleMania 37. Um, that, I mean, that was shocking to the viewer, so I definitely understand why that one was kind of there, but $50 bet there and that's you have 400 bucks. Then we go all the way back to WrestleMania 27 in 2011. Um, that would have been Michael Cole at plus 900 defeating Jerry the King Lawler. Um, now that was the third biggest ever, and that pays you four fifty on a fifty dollar bet. Number two in a four way match, Jinder Mahal at plus nine fifty uh, won the United States title at WrestleMania thirty four. Um, that pays you what four seventy five on a fifty dollar bet. And uh, Rocco, having not know, known this, what do you think the the biggest underdog win that, uh, for the gambling line was in the history?
2: Since all these matches are matches I can't remember one second of, except for the worst match I've ever seen in my entire life, which is Michael Cole versus Jerry the King Waller. <laughs> I, goddamn, this is the most insane list of matches I've ever heard in my entire life.
0: So think, think big, like think historical like match,
2: moment. buddy. I, dude, uh, fucking hell. <laughs> You're
0: gonna kick yourself in the ass. Brock Lesnar was plus eleven hundred to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. So a $50 bet there paid you $550 um, for a wrestling bet. Imagine that turnaround. I was in New Orleans that night. I, I wish that I had an extra 500 in my pocket that day for sure. Um, but pretty cool list. Uh, I think that that Brock one, you know, seeing that there, you know, definitely isn't as jarring as the rest of the list. But, um, you know, I, I would have bet. I might have bet Taker at minus eleven, minus 1500 that night or whatever it was.
2: We're going to reconvene this four people, and we're going to do a podcast about those ten matches, and we're going to grade them and talk about <laughs> our feelings about them. I remember a concerning amount of these matches.
1: Oh, all <laughs> <I know>, right, <laughs> all right, Matt, you want to give us the odds for this Sunday's crown jewel or Saturday's crown jewel?
3: Yeah. So starting at the bottom, you got you're going to have Braun Strowman. He's going to be a 450 um, favorite to battle Omas, who's plus 275. So $50 bet on Omas would pay uh, what a dollars 155? What is it? 140-ish. 140-ish, yeah. So but plus 275. You got Karrion Cross, who's an underdog at plus 110, uh facing Drew McIntyre is going to be a favorite at minus 150. So you're gonna have to bet $150 to win a hundred if you think Drew McIntyre is gonna win, which I I see some value in that one. We're gonna I'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit you got Brock Lesnar who's a 300 and minus 350 favorite uh, over Bobby Lashley Bobby Lashley's plus 225 yeah, the OC again, a one minus one seventy favorite over the Judgment Day, who's plus one thirty. Again, maybe a little value there in in uh, the OC. And when I say value, like I said on the OC and on uh, Drew McIntyre, you don't have to lay a lot of money, like a, a large amount of money, to win like a hundred dollars, right? You have to win. You have to lay close close-ish to a hundred. Um, and then the big one, right? I wouldn't feel comfortable laying this. Uh, you got Roman Reigns. Was a minus 1,000 underdog, I'm sorry, minus 1,000 favorite to face Logan Paul at plus 550. And if Logan Paul does win the uh, undisputed championship at uh, Crown Jewel, he would probably join this list right around uh, spot number number 10. 10? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Now, one thing I want to throw in here too, is this is interesting about this match, is this match when it first hit the books on September 19th, Roman was minus five thousand, and Paul was plus a thousand. That's been cut in half with Paul. Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it, but um, there's a better odds that Logan Paul wins this match than we think. I'm looking at the way these odds have changed. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but you know, we we, we 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 just went through twelve matches that had shorter odds than that that happened. So you never know.
3: You don't think Logan Paul's like going nudging his buddies, saying, "Hey, I'm gonna win the,
2: I'm gonna win the title. So if fifty bucks, will pay you out. you can make a little penny." Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a bunch of sycophant, <laughs> loser friends that are of his that would love to get a couple extra. He's got um, enough people to put fifty dollars on it that it would mm-hmm. probably make a large amount of money. Whatever random dudes that live in his house and give him <laughs> fr- like Adderall, like yeah.
1: All right, and here are the men's Royal Rumble match odds. Okay. Uh, top three: Cody Rhodes, pretty much even right now, five to four. The Rock, eleven to two, which is, I believe, what seven and plus seven fifty. The Big E is eight to one, plus eight hundred. Roman Reigns, plus eight hundred. Braun Breaker, plus twelve hundred. Uh, Riddle, plus twelve hundred. Drew McIntyre, plus twelve hundred. Rollins, plus twelve hundred. Uh, Lesnar plus 16, Gable Stevens plus 16, Theory plus 1600, Lashley plus 20, Gunther plus 20, Randy Orton plus 20, Edge plus 20, Styles plus 25, Cena plus 25, and this would be my bet right now for value, Kevin Owens plus $2,500. Um, Did you say another- Big Yep, Big E, 8 to 1 um it would be a year so was whatever the, was the uh, rock on that list the rock is yes he's second he was 11 to 2 so what's that four and a half 450
3: i like that i think that's a yeah it's got to be a shoe in, right besides i i think it's a i think it's a two-man race with the first two people but i like your kevin owens play there too
1: yeah my kevin owens in the nice long shot here's another wild wild long shot
2: here um
1: montez ford 40 to 1 that's
2: my, dream, that's, that's my dream. That's my dream booking situation. <laughs> I think that's the coolest idea if they could ever make it so a uh, a tag guy could actually win. Like that would be the craziest thing they've never It'd done. would
1: be the that. best one too. Here's yeah. another wild one that I like. I like Sammy Zayn, fifty to one, uh, and I like Madcap Moss fifty <laughs> to one. <laughs> I like the respect they put on Madcap's name. Wait, wait, um, yeah. Shanky plus two fifty to one. <laughs> Apollo Crews, go Shanky, go
0: Shanky,
1: <laughs> I miss go Shanky, um, but, and then we got the women's, the rest are just impossible,
3: put it all all right. on Shanky,
1: yeah, Grayson <laughs> Waller plus 500, Camilo Hayes plus 500, Mustafa Ali plus 500, uh, Santos Escobar plus 500, Vaughn Wagner plus 500, want to introduce any of those names, we'll have not win the Rumble, wild, alright, Here, here's a quick women's. Um, Becky Lynch, five to two, so that's plus two hundred and fifty. Bailey plus eight, plus four hundred and fifty. Excuse me. Charlotte Flair six to one. Rhea Ripley six to one. That's really good odds in my opinion. Uh, Bliss and Belair ten to one. Rodriguez ten to one. Oscar and Ronda fourteen to one. Liv twenty to one. Uh, I'm now I'm searching. Um, Shotzi eighty to one. Mandy Rose a hundred to one. S- n- that's Alba Fire plus 200. Cora Jade plus 200. Uh, JC Jane plus the Nikita Lions plus 200. Roxanne plus 200. Brie Bella plus 250. Uh, can I get a last legend plus 250? No? Okay. Where's Santina Morella? <laughs> Zoe Starks plus 250. Maurice 50 to 1. Uh, 500 to 1 for Maurice. So those are your odds. For the Royal Rumble, both men's and women. And what's Sasha? She's not on the list, Mike.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Unless I missed her. No, I don't see her. So Newsflash, this listing was released on June 23rd. So it's a little old, but those are the most recent ones. Uh, There might be more recent ones, but this is what I found. So it's interesting. If you bet them, if you bet Sami Zayn 50 to one, it's not bad odds. Ko twenty five to one. That's not bad odds. I bet you those are b- top five guys now. If we were to do them,
3: really. And you know what's interesting too that I was thinking about as you were reading off those odds. We're kind of in like uncharted waters with this Royal Rumble, right? We don't know how Triple, uh, how Triple H would book his Royal Rumble. You know, oh, good We've had some long shots win the Royal Rumble before. That used to be the thing, right? It was your it was your ticket to fame, and so maybe they could. There could be a long shot that wins this Royal Rumble and you know gets that that ticket to fame. We don't know exactly what Triple H has planned out for the Royal Rumble.
1: Honestly, I love Montez forty to one and KO 20, 25 to one. I love those odds. I think those are great odds. But uh, that's kind of Ryan's gambling corner. What's uh, Rocco? What do you got for us? What do you get to ramble about as we get out of here?
4: Hello.
2: Well, we got a uh, a big weird thing that happened is the uh, there's a Great Muda retirement tour. He's going to retire at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, and he's going to fight Shinsuke Nakamura. Wild. In Anoa uh, in January 1st of 2022. Um, uh, the Great Muda, it's going to be in, the, in Budokan, the same place that Cheap Trick recorded their great album in uh, 1980, uh, 1978, which is actually only like six years before the great Muda debuted as a wrestler, which is pretty wild to think. Um, so yeah, um, a little nugget there, Rocco. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, uh, he's, it's not his last match. He's going to have a tag match with sting, uh, at the end of January. And then he's as th- that's the last time he's going to be the great Muda and he's going to have one last match as his actual name. And that's going to end his career. Um, it's kind of cool. I, I did read that triple H personally wanted to do this for a while. Shinsuke's asked for this. It was asked for a while. Um, Triple H had to go to Pro Wrestling Noah and ask them again after Vince had kiboshed it for a million uh, times. And uh, apparently Noah has a little working agreement with AEW as well, so they all agreed on everything. Uh, there's a little bit of history here because Nock lost the IWGP heavyweight belt to the Great Moodle the last time he ever won that title in 2008, which is a little bit of history there. But And it's not even unprecedented because Kenta fought in noah in 2018 this is when he was on 205 live so i guess it's kind of still on nxt but like i don't think vince even knew he was on the main roster and Liger was still a, a, a new japan guy and he came to nxt in 2015 and fought breeze in brooklyn uh ryan you might have been there i'm not sure um which is kind not. of a, okay I think it was just, been actually Oh, okay cool which is a very cool thing And one of the weirdest little nuggets of history is one of the strangest uh, little nuggets that you might remember is in 1993, the Great Muda fought Hulk Hogan in Japan. And this is when Hulk Hogan was a WWF champ. And there's a very famous interview where Hulk Hogan says that the IWGP title is more important than the WWF title. And that was a crazy little thing that kind of, you know, has been a little uh, historical nugget. So to me, this is wild. Uh, This is a really great example of new things that are happening with the trips era. I don't really know other instances where this could happen. So I do love the great Muta. by the way. He's one of my all-time favorite dudes. Uh, I grew up watching him in world-class wrestling in uh, the 80s uh, when he was uh, uh, the Black Ninja. And he was part of JTEX, which is my favorite faction of all time, with Buzz Sawyer, Kerry, Terry Funk, uh, Gary Hart. But, and he has so many cool little moments. We don't need to get into that. We'll wait for that to discuss that when I believe this is going to be a great conduit to him getting into the Hall of Fame um this little working agreement i don't know i think triple h's version of the hall of fame like uh matt you were saying triple h's royal rumble is one thing triple h's hall of fame might be a whole another thing as well and how he's going to handle that and i think there will be more respect put on these guys who are from japan and other territories like the fact that bruiser brody is in the hall of fame and he got nothing is insane to me you know what i mean like abdul the butcher no one like these guys didn't have a big thing and like uh, a great mood is such an important part of wrestling he's what i i you know i watched him in wcw and he's like such a major thing and his legacy from tajiri to oscar to the mist alistair black all these guys so um i just think it's really cool um do you guys have great mood of memories do you guys have memories of um do you guys think it might lead to other things? What kind of things would you like to see? I'm having a hard time really think of anything maybe than like a Ray going to Mexico, but like, I don't know, this is kind of a really neat thing. It's very unprecedented besides the two things I mentioned before, but, uh, yeah. What are you guys' thoughts on that whole thing happening?
0: One, one thing I'll say, um, you know, back in mania weekend, 2019 in New York, um, Muda was in town, um, and he was advertised for a couple of, like, indie shows. Like, for for instance, he wrestled uh, at a House of Glory show that was at the New New York City Arena in New York City um, that weekend. Um, he teamed with Tajiri and, and Pentagon against uh, Ortiz, Santana, and Loki. Um, and that was in front of about, I'm not even bullshitting you, from what I hear, it was about 80 people. They had a um, triple,
2: triple missed mist uh yeah that was very famous
0: from that. yeah so that was like it was like a 11 a.m show on like a saturday um and then the rest of the weekend you know i thought okay well i'm not going to go to that show um but i'm not going to see muda and then during the the roh show at msg i ended up deciding to go late i'm sitting um kind of like behind the stage because uh my buddy was friends with Bobby Cruz, so they gave us, they, he got us some like, comp tickets, so we were like, behind the Tron or whatever, um, entrance ramp, and the Battle Royale is going on, I'm like, barely paying attention, and then I see on the video screen, like, Muda pop up, and I'm like, holy shit, um, so it was cool to see, like, you know, a grand Muda entrance at MSG, like, um just the entire sequence of that like not expecting it to happen on a pre-show and ultimately being a battle royal that fucking kenny king won um but it was really cool to you know be in a building and see like this grand muda entrance in the u.s which you know, might've been like his real big last like U S moment, like on a big scale. Um, Obviously he was at the show and uh, in September, but that wasn't like a real match. So I'm interested to see if he does do one final match in the U S, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen because they're sending everybody to him instead.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I, It kind of kicks AEW in the ass a little, and I'm sure triple H was not mad at that one a little bit. You know, it, Sting's going to get the last laugh with Muda, but Nakamura and the WWE kind of got to steal that shine. So I'm sure Triple H loves those headlines. But uh, the Minori Suzuki and Sheamus graphic did get me for a minute. So I was like, oh, fuck, let's go. But then you read, not going to happen. And I was like, ah, the bastards. That's kind of funny, though. So it could be a conduit for Triple H to kind of venture out into other territories and Lend out guys as Triple H wants to garner good favor for his NXT developments across the globe. So it's not a bad way to get going with that.
2: It's it's also to go the other way though, I think it's gonna be harder. And I think WWE has become so insular that you take it's gonna take a WWF fans know less about other stuff. So like a great mood of coming into WWE during like an attitude era, like like or now even, you know what I mean? A guy tantamount to that. Like, it's a different story. Like, if you're going to say, like, an Okada coming to WWE, it's going to require more than just an appearance, you know? Like, so it it going the other way seems like a lot harder of a task, right? Eh, One night, we'll see. I
1: don't know. To be
2: be important, you know, for them to really have, like, the gravity of who the great Muta is is going to be lost on a lot of people, I think. If you Like, I know not right now, like, him coming to WWE is not really a thing, you know? It wouldn't go the other way, you know? And then... Should it be able to? Should it be able for him to come here and have a match in America against Shinsuke? I
1: can, see, so I can see Triple H doing like a a big Japanese figure in like a Rumble or something and making a big deal out of it. Like, look at, he did it with-
2: Or with more Star. of an NXT, right? Maybe an NXT yeah. if Brooklyn was still like doing like the sell-out Barclay kind of thing. Yeah, he done it in the past there with, what's his
1: name? Uh, Liger. Liger.
2: Yeah, still. but what, yeah, yeah.
3: I was going to say that match had like NXT takeover, like written all over it.
2: Yeah. Like there is a certain aspect, of, a certain way to do it that you could really make these guys seem important. And Triple H seems to really care about the history of wrestling and the way he's been presenting the U S title and intercontinental title shows that. And I think that's really important and really cool to do. And a guy like this should be known by people. Cause he's really cool. Like if, if they made a figure, if they could get a figure of Muda, like that would be insane. You know, like, Anyone would buy that because it's such a cool figure. It's not just a guy in tights.
3: It's like yeah, a... Didn't WWE dish out a bunch of liger action figures after that match? I feel like he was in a couple lines.
2: Oh, like, I didn't know. So. That.
3: I have to. T- I have. To, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I thought they had a one of the Mattel lines had had a Thunder Liger in it from that Takeover match. And it's like you said, it's
2: a.
1: He's such a beautiful figure. I can see that
3: too. Yeah, it's a same with Muda though. It's like a. Yeah, it it's
2: a marketing dream right there. So I'm hoping this leads to a Hall of Fame and a figure and all that stuff. And it'd be really fucking cool to see him on stage.
1: Yeah, kind of, and it kind of, and like I said, Triple H stealing the hot headlines from AEW and the Goodwill. So it's just one more tick in that armor too. two. But uh, yeah, this is right up your alley, Rocco, and I'm glad you were able to kind of gush about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, fuck, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of his best matches against the Great Muta. So yeah, it makes me really happy. When when he gets into the Hall of Fame, I'll give you guys a whole bunch of Great Muta shit, too. So uh-huh. yeah.
1: Look at Rocco, When you're happy, I'm happy.
2: Oh, nice, my guy.
3: <laughs> Fact checking myself. No uh, WWE Jushin Thunder Liger action figure. It is a Ringside Collectibles, which I think maybe threw me off for a minute, but it's a. Uh, it is not a WWE figure. Coming soon. Coming soon.
2: Coming
1: up next is the Indie Corner. Rossi, bring us home, buddy.
4: Yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is it, it, this? It, it, it's yours, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is
0: oh man a lot's changed in the wrestling world in the wrestling world in the last uh, couple days uh, this week we'll say um which this goes to air on friday so um first off um we're going to start with our local boys uh beyond wrestling they were able to finally put their beyond institute of pro wrestling together um, now this was originally supposed to happen in 2020 um, with chris dickinson at the helm um a lot's changed since then um, with Beyond, and obviously the pandemic was not going to allow a new school to kick off. Um, so it's kind of been the, the white rabbit that uh, Drew's been chasing for a while. Um, I know that Brian, when we interviewed Drew, he had mentioned that that was still a goal. And, you know, he was just trying to find the first person to run it because he wasn't going to. Uh, you know, he probably didn't think he was going to draw the people in that, that um, getting a big name would. As fate would have it, Ken Doan, who is a current SmackDown producer, um, was interested in doing the school. And uh, in, in January 2023, so two months from now, classes will start to run in uh, Worcester um, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which is a good graduation opportunity to line these guys up for wrestling open on Thursday nights um, when they're ready. Um, and then ultimately beyond and maybe the other IWTV and indie promotions as well. Um, really cool stuff to have an active WWE producer that is going to, you know, be with you Tuesday, Wednesday, and then run off to help produce matches on SmackDown and um, other parts of the country, um, be your coach. And I really think that it's going to be an opportunity to get people into their doors that, you know, may have been training somewhere else. Um, one one little rumor I did hear along this way is that Ken Doan um, requested as part of this that there were IWTV logins that he could give uh, his boss, Triple H. Uh, so pretty cool stuff there. I think that Um, It's going to be a good opportunity for maybe people to relocate out of their current schools if they don't feel like they're getting enough out of it to come work with a WWE employee, um, not, and then, you know, have quick indie work maybe available to you if you, if you shine in it. So really cool. I'm really happy that that all came together for Drew and the boys and, uh, interested to see where that goes in 2023. It should be pretty transformative to, uh, the Northeast indie indie corner here, because there's a lot of good wrestlers up here that, you know, could maybe use some new eyes. And I think Don being around the PC, like he was for a while before he came up to the main roster as a producer is the perfect person to uh, kind of learn some of that stuff for. And it kind of feels like it could be more of like a indie wrestling shine up for some people, as opposed to just people raw, but I'm sure they'll get both. Um, now on the other side of the indie world game changer wrestling, announced that they're going to have their entire back catalog and all future live events streaming on the brand new fight plus package on the um, triller owned fight app um, this is a $4.99 a month service um, which is just insanely cheap with $49.99 for the year as another option that pretty much gives you you know 12 months of the price of 10. That is a crazy deal. Um, Pro Wrestling Revolver and Black Label Pro um, became the next two promotions to announce as part of that, with Black Label Pro being noticeable in the Indiana promotion because they left uh, their commitment. Or they were done with their commitment, but they left IWTV um, and are now with the Fight Plus. So, curious to see what other promotions might make the transition here. Um, it's definitely great value for the customer at $499. I don't know how many subs they need to be profitable here. But, hey, that's not my problem, right? Um, So, ultimately, when it comes down to, I don't know if this is going to be ads, I just can't fathom how GCW is going to be on a $5 a month program. Now, some insight on their issues with IWTV from what I've heard in the grapevines, um, a lot of their issue with IWTV was at the $10 a month price point. They felt like they were being undervalued in the marketplace, like, they thought that they should be getting 12, 15 bucks a show instead of having all their shows under a $10 umbrella. Fast forward lawsuit and a year and a half later, and now they're on a format that's five bucks a month. Now, obviously that Triller group obviously has a lot more money than an IWTV did. So there might've been more of a guarantee involved. Um, But ultimately it seems like kind of a, I don't know, a backward step in some way, but Overall, it's good news for GCW because GCW is now in a spot where they're going to be viewable to more eyes. And after the 2022 that they've had, when they've kind of, you know, attendance has started to come down a little bit in places, I think it's a good move to put some favor with the fans there. And it's going to be nice to happen. Some other things that, you know, Brett Lauderdale announced when he was on with Sean Rossap, announcing this, um, he said he has never heard of having restrictions with AEW talent. Um, and in fact, he feels like he has some really good relationships with some AEW talent that he and plans to work with in the future. Another interesting tidbit, because there was a lot of the GCW WWE rumors going around. He said that uh, Stephanie McMahon was upset that he didn't take their offer to move all of the GCW stuff to Peacock. I take that with a gigantic grain of salt. Uh, but hey, you know, I'm not calling anybody a liar here today, but we'll see. Um, now, IWTV in response. They've had a lot of their promotions over this past week announce their loyalty to them. Uh, Prestige Wrestling, West Coast Pro, ICW, and of course, Beyond Wrestling. Um, now, it's going to be really cool to see all of these promotions kind of have their. Restival in Worcester at the end of October, end of December. Um, from what I'm hearing on the IWTV camp, that feels like that's going to be a good like reboot for the brand um, with all of their big promotions in one building over a three day span. Um, try to you know build up some good favor with each other and you know maybe get into some more working relationships moving forward. For the good of IWTV. and I mean, that's where the Beyond school can come into play too because if some guys blow up out of that school, they'll be able to find work and, you know, a prestige in the West Coast in California that they might not have had access to before. Um, and then obviously ICW if they want to get hit in the head with a gusset plate. Uh, speaking of Beyond, they are running Somerville the day after Survivor Series um, in Boston for a show called Motherload. That's going to be headlined by Master Slamovich against Willow Nightingale um, and Bussy is battling Teddy Goods and LMK. That'll be a fun match. Now, GCW on the new platform will debut um, the Nick Gage Invitational on November 12th in Chicago before hitting Wisconsin for a Wisconsin death trip on the 13th. Little ode to Static X there. Um, then GCW returns to Providence on the 20th for Aura. Seems like they're stacking this card up because they have they know they had an awesome show last time they were here in June. Um, which will have Jonathan Gresham against Speedball Mike Bailey, Nick Wayne against the Northeast Beast Alec Price, and Maki Ito against Masha Slamovich. So, uh, the way that the indie world's changing, um, it sounds like we got some exciting times ahead as fans. I mean, you can pretty much get. Every indie promotion that you that is worth watching, um, for fifteen bucks a month um, now between the fight package and the iwtv package. So, um, obviously PWG is not in that group, but they're still stuck in nineteen ninety five anyway. So, um, streaming for them is probably not in their future, but we'll see. I'm sure other other groups will jump into that fight plus package, and you know that's not just wrestling as part of that fight plus. There's also the um, the bare bare naked punches or whatever they call it i don't know what the hell it's called um but there's a couple that whatever page ranzan i say bare naked because i think of page ranzan and you can't even go on the internet without seeing her ass out um but ultimately it's bare knuckle fighting um they're on that and uh, there's a couple other like boxing promotions linked in there so good combat sport package fight plus is put together 499 seems too close to uh good to be true but hey good luck to them
1: yeah, good shit, good rundown. Um, yeah, four ninety nine is outrageous. Now, do you? It think could, that- I mean, sorry, go ahead. Go
2: ahead. I was gonna say, just having like a, a advertisements on the the canvas and stuff like that, or just throwing an ad on there, could totally pay for that extra like lack of money that you're thinking.
1: There is gonna be ad revenue. Yes. Yeah. So, so. do you think that the WWE Network slash Peacock was a legit thing, or do you think they're just kind of? grabbing the buzz off of that
0: rumor I don't know I think that that was I mean obviously Brett was was invited to Mania he brought Jimmy Lloyd <laughs> whatever that was a weird setup awesome. when he was there um, Jimmy Lloyd's been in the last two Manias actually uh, he was in the Hurt yeah. business too but ultimately I, I don't know I can't see how GCW would be on Peacock it's not like Peacock is devoid of content right Um, and I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't help WWE to have an indie promotion on there. Like they still had their deals with their progresses and things like that, but even that's not live anymore. Like very rare. Um, it's pretty much live to tape. Um, and they, they, they list that stuff out week after the fact when the results are already out there. I just don't see if it was their own network still, I get why WWE would want to do it. WWE doesn't give a shit what's on there. They're just getting their paychecks from from NBC and moving on with their lives. Um, the value for them isn't selling at ten bucks. That's going to go direct to their pocket. It's making sure that their content is watched by people that are maybe there for other things. Right? I mean, when do you see people on on? I mean. Remember how much the WWE Network was advertised on TV, and I mean, when do you see like, "Hey, go sign up for Peacock today"? It's just it's on Peacock. Go fucking watch it, you know. So I just I don't believe it. Um, I, I just doesn't seem like it's something that's a fathomable thing that WWE would have been interested in, like because there's not a lot of current WWE guys that were big GCW stars. Um, Riddle had his run, but he was not never like a champion there. Um, you know the the Rollins and the Ambroses of the world, like they had their bigger runs in ROH and CZW, respectively. And Ambrose doesn't even fucking work for WWE, so it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. But I could see maybe maybe if WWE was trying to do it while Moxley was champion to try to cuck AEW. But even then, I mean, it's it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: I mean, it's like a long term library investment that they wanted, and they were nervous about if say it's true nervous about going kind of all in and getting in bed with the WWE losing their right their their video library or footage or whatever so who knows all right is that all you got for the indie corner this week
0: that's all my friend um uh, we don't really next time we talk we'll we'll run down the Nick Gage Invitational and start gearing up for uh you know the 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 tail end of the indie year but we'll see how Fight Plus works over the next couple weekends
1: Cool. Yeah, I'm interested. It's up there now, by the way, if you want to get on and jump on it. I haven't yet, but I plan on this weekend. Rocco, when's your band playing again?
2: This is coming out Friday, so Saturday, November 5th. Uh, We are going to be in Chester, New York, in the beautiful Hudson Valley, uh, about three hours from where you guys live. Uh, we're doing a, like a benefit show. Um, we have a, a beer, uh, the, it's a brewery that we're playing at called the rushing duck. They do a beer, uh, based on our name and logo and all that stuff. It's been put out for seven years. This is the seven months we seven, one we done. We do a, 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 we do a show every year for it. Uh, this, uh, year we have, uh, Unhinge, unhinged cranial damage and sepsistic from Massachusetts. So, uh, it's a benefit show and it's a fun show. It's my favorite show of the year. And, uh I don't know. If anyone's in that area, come on out. It's going to be uh, really fun and you're going to see us play and you could drink some great beer and uh, it's for a good cause as well and all the money goes to a... uh, Well, you can find it on uh, Instagram or Facebook at Chain to the Dead and see where all the money's going because I forget.
1: (laughs) Rossi, anything before we get out of here? Very cool, Rocco, by the way.
0: Um, no, I mean, we're, we we be in um, Andrew Reese from the um, AW podcast that works opposite us recorded our NCA basketball preview uh, that will be hitting the airwaves here on Monday, the 7th, which is the same which opening day for college basketball. I will be in Hartford that night watching UConn beat Stonehill by 45. Um, minimum or else I'll be pissed off about it because Stonehill's first year in D1. So uh check that out. That'll be on the NoSo Network on Monday. We went about two hours. We broke down every conference. We made our final four predictions. Um, and It'll be fun to look back at when we meet back up again and preview the tournament in March. So check that out. I think it was an entertaining show. And Andrew is just a walking, talking college basketball encyclopedia The guy knows everything, and he's really fun to talk to when it comes to college hoops. So I think if you're into hoops at all, you'll enjoy the show. If you're not into hoops at all, listen to it, and I bet you will be after listening to Andrew and myself go through um, Players of the Year and things like that. There's a lot of interesting content there. So, Matt, listen to it. It might help your betting, man.
3: (laughs) I definitely will give it a listen. I'm I'm, I'm excited. i got to learn a little bit more about UConn.
0: And I will be in, in
1: Tuesday, I will be in Providence for the real home opener where Providence opens up against Ryder. And if they don't win by 46 points, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> banner
0: night. Banner night. That's right. We won, a, we won a conference league regular season title. Let's hang a banner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cool story, bro. All right, Matt,
0: give us one more plug on
1: what you got going on over there.
3: Um, no, first of all, thank you guys for having me on, and I had a really good time. This is this is a fun fun conversation. Um Hopefully, hopefully, I can be back soon if I if I if I pass the test. But I guess you guys could uh, check out my articles on uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. dot uh, They should all be under Matthew Cummings. They're all great articles. That cover all the different sports. I think they're I think they're workshopping some sort of. uh what was it? Uh, what's the giant table tennis game? What is, what is it? It's like, no, no, it's like giant ping pong. Pickleball? Pickleball.
1: Yes. Aku wow, out of left field with that one. <laughs> I don't even know.
3: Workshop some sort of pickleball gambling uh, <laughs> podcast. So you could, there's no shortage of content over there. So you can head on over to Sports Gambling Podcast. Look for my articles. And you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, Matty Cakes, M-A-T-T-E Cakes, C-A-K-E-S, 2281. I always post all my bets on there. Um, I might stop posting them on there because I'm not doing well. I got to change up the mojo. Um, so, yeah, large post all my bets on there. So, yeah, check it out. And I usually end up drunk live tweeting pay-per-views about how dissatisfied I am. So, check me out. Thanks, guys.
1: Matt killed it. We'll have you back for sure. And, uh, all right, guys, we'll catch you in two weeks on the next episode. Thanks, guys, later. A court by the devil's last. On, shit, is shit
4: is a hassle. There's no days for broke days when selling smoke pays while all the old folks pray to Jesus soaking sins in sins and trays. A holy water, odds against nods and slaughter, Lord of the word best is my life. To name my daughter, my strength My son and star will be my resurrection. Born in correction, all the wrong shit I did. He'll lead in the right direction. How you live in large, a or, or charge cards are mediocre. You are flipping coke or- Spit spaces, script, poker. Is yours. It's yours. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. World, Yo, the world is yours